Howdy, y'all! Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. I'm Ben Fields. This is my podcast. It's Rusty Odom's podcast today, though. It's the Blank Over. Rusty's the editor-in-chief of Blank Newspaper, and he's a concert promoter in charge of Second Bell Music Festival. It's coming to Knoxville. September 30th, October 1st. It is going to be a heater. Rusty had the uh, idea of uh, coming over and chatting with me, uh, interviewing me. Uh, I won't say it's never been done before. It, it has, but not like this. Not like Rusty does it. He has a lot of experience interviewing people from uh, starting Blank Newspaper almost 15 years ago and uh, interviewing some of the greatest musicians and entertainers around here and from across the globe and uh, he's he's a good he's a good stick. He, when, when he's got the uh, pen and paper in front of him, when he's got the pad out, he's got the he brings the heat. He brings the tough questions. The latest edition of Blank Newspaper has the uh, Knoxville finest Blank Readers poll in it, and uh, Rusty came over and uh, presented us with the with the award, the uh, best local podcast voted on by the readers. So thanks if you voted for us in the uh, Blank Newspaper Readers poll this year. We appreciate that. A lot. We got got a new plaque for the wall. But a second bell festival that's September 30th and October 1st at Suchery Landing in Knoxville is a, a killer lineup that Rusty's put together. And a big boy is headlining that. And Super Drag is going to be there. Super Drag is a Knoxville staple. It's been around forever. Had a huge run out there in the real world in the 90s. And uh, they're putting a little something together for second bell. Uh, that Rusty and I talked about a little bit. But Palm Palm is back, too. That's our boys. They're going to be there at the festival. They're coming back for a spot at Second Bell as a very rare repeat uh, for a music festival that Rusty does. He doesn't really book bands two times in a row, but Palm Palm was at Second Bell last year. They're going to be at Second Bell again this year, so that's going to be great. Temp Job is there, too. We've had Ty on the show from Temp Job before. That's a killer band. And Kelsey Walker is going to be there also with Free Women Waltzing Club. How about that? All right. I hope uh, mine and Rusty's chat uh, is enjoyable for you guys. He uh, he said that he's been wanting to do this and turn the mics on me for a while. I'm glad he came over and did it. We were able to get in there, open up about some stuff. It was really great and exciting. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's uh, Rusty's chat with me. We're doing the podcast. Oh, everything all right, sir? Uh, yeah, everything all right with you? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to ask you a question. It's, it's, yeah. It's your job. Hey, buddy, I'm asking the questions. I got the night off. It's the night off. It's the blank over of South of Scruffy <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so pumped for blank, man. Everything you you guys are doing so killer. We're doing all right, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it made us great to be here again. Yeah, you've yeah. been here a couple times now. I have, I have, yeah. It yeah. looks great in here, as always. Yeah. The last time you were here, you actually just stopped by to drop off some stuff with the uh, with the Palm Palm Boys. Oh, yeah, the Pee Pee Boys. The Pee Pee Boys. Yeah, man, I was, uh, for years and years, I'd always wanted to, well, I had accumulated a lot of copies of The Jerk on VHS. <laughs> with Steve Martin? Yeah, and so it was always going to be part of the, like, the artist gift bag, you know? And so, um, you were going to give them a DVD. Yeah. Each band of VHS. Yeah. Um, each band, I wanted them to have, you know, a copy of the jerk on VHS. We were actually going to try to 
give them VCRs as well, but that got expensive. Man, it's <laughs> how this, could that be expensive? I bet those things are given away. Dude, you'd be surprised, man. Are, are they coming back like vinyl? Dude, they, yeah, they're they're so back. Um, you heard it here first, but yeah, v, uh, VHS is back, man. Is it? Yeah, big time. And um, what about the rewinders that you put in that put the tape in and they rewind the whole VHS in like five seconds? They're probably like a thousand dollars a piece now. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right. You ready? Let's get into this. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. This okay. is nice, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, I, I, I like not having to prep for these should things. We, should we tell everybody what we're doing here? Sure. So I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I'm the host. So, um, okay, so here's what we're doing. My name okay. is Rusty, and I'm going to be interviewing Ben, what is it, Ben Fields, <laughs> it says here, I believe. Is that right? That's right. Okay, so far, so good. Yeah. So let's get right into it, Ben. Yeah, let's do it. What is your favorite secret? My favorite secret? Yeah. Man, you're hitting you're hitting hard. Uh let's come back to that one. No, I got it. <laughs> oh really? Okay. Yeah. I I, oh, okay. I I like Jason Mraz. Oh wow. Yeah, I like to listen to Jason Mraz. Oh yeah, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, man. Yeah. That used to be my biggest secret. Yeah. It no longer is my biggest wow. secret. Yeah. I've How told it. That? I've told it. People know. <laughs> It's either gonna your your uh, Patreon's either gonna skyrocket or plummet. Yeah, I'll I'll put the hundred dollar level on it now. There you just go. Uh, just to hit the hit the real <laughs> you know fans with it. Oh, it's good. Uh, okay, so this is uh, on the website on let's see, it's http colon forward slash forward slash south of scruffy dot com. Yeah, that's that's the one. According to that website, yeah, uh, where you host these podcasts this is a woodshed yeah like a little little wood shop little workshop uh do some do some work in here have uh, you actually ever done any work in here uh just the podcast really. <laughs> i knew it yeah i know yeah. no no surely you've built something in here like a like one of those little toy uh those little toy rocking horses that were in Santa Claus, the movie. The last thing I uh, worked on in here, you know, usually the, the things that I end up working on are fix broken stuff. Okay. And so I, I sometimes I'll acquire broken stuff and okay. then fix it. Like the boat you saw out there. Absolutely. Completely yeah. broken when I got it. Yeah. So, you know, works great now. Oh, man, that thing looks like cotton candy out there. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's 1995 for you. It's a dream. The last thing I, uh, I, I fixed and worked on in here was uh, my wife had a little music box with a ballerina on it or jewelry box with a ballerina in it sure and you'd open it up and the ballerina would dance around in in circles and uh it was broken it didn't work all the screws were broken the spring mechanism was broken it had a little uh it had a little plaque on it with my with my wife's name okay and uh and for my daughter's birthday, I reconstituted it, fixed that jewelry box up, made it work, and put my daughter's name on it for a plaque. And, that's and excellent. Get, yeah. That, so that's like the last real thing. I hadn't done much woodwork in here, honestly. Something yeah. machines, carburetors, sure. stuff like that. Look at you. See, there's more to Ben Fields than it's Fields, right? Yeah, that, yeah that's more, right. More Thanks. More Ben Fields than people <laughs> realize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So. Like so, when did you come up with the concept for turning your? I mean, was that project building, rebuilding that jewelry box? Was it so hard? You're like, man, I got to get into podcasting. Or <laughs> was there something else that happened that made you want to go this route? Want to do the podcast? Yeah. Like, when did I concept? Yeah, like, turning this into a, a podcast studio. Yeah, because a lot of times these things happen. You're like, oh, that's crazy, and then you start thinking about it. Like, well, is it? How did it go? I think I've always wanted to do something like 
this since I started listening to uh, Mark Maron's podcast back in like 2013 or something like that. Okay. Um, I was working in the underground Knoxville with a guy named Grant Barton and Grant did uh, he makes jewelry and he would just have headphones in all day long and he'd be working on his jewelry. And one day he came up to me, he was like, do you listen to podcasts? And I was like, not really. I yeah. don't really, I know they're on my phone. I know I can get to them. I just don't really know a lot about them. And he explained Mark Maron's podcast to me. And he was like, he's a, he's a decent stand up comic, but he's a really good interviewer. And at the time, Mark Maron had probably done five or 600 episodes of his podcast and he interviewed, um, interviewed uh, stand-up comics and people that I was kind of familiar with in the film and television world, actors, directors, things like that. And uh, then he got President Obama on his podcast. He was like the number one podcast in America yeah. for, for a long time when the space wasn't super crowded. Right, WTF, like it is now. right? WTF podcast. Yeah. And uh, I was like, man, this dude built something in his garage that got the eye of the president of the United States right. and Barack Obama found it valuable enough for him to go on and, and go to this guy's house in Pasadena and sure. talk to him, talk to him on the mics for an hour. And I was like, man, this is kind of a, pl a platform that is a little bit powerful, I think. And I think it's a, it, I think it's a great medium for getting what, what, what you can't print in blank, right. you know, cause you've, you've got limited space in there. Sure. And so I think there's a, a space where, uh, you can, you can get people's real stories out of them, hear it from them, uh, in their words and get a little bit of a deeper dive with it. And so I, I think I started, I really started thinking about doing a podcast when I lived in Park Ridge in like, I don't know, 2018 or 2019. Okay. And I wanted to do it. I just didn't really have a way to do it. And then when I moved into this house, when me and Sarah bought this house in 2019, I started really thinking like, I mean, garages have been turned into podcast studios before and it's worked. So why don't I do it and try to shine a light on the, on the artist's and entertainers and people who are important to the cultural fabric and the community in in town and and just kind of have that same long form conversation with them. I feel like I'm fairly decent at at, at having conversations with people, and I thought that I could do it. And so sure. it started as uh, an idea. That's when I started thinking about it seriously. Was when we bought this house, and then uh, and then it took still you know another year before I sure. pulled the trigger and got all my ducks in a row to do it. There was a lot of prep that went into actually building building it into a thing before I hit the ground. And um, I noticed that people had kind of done this before uh -huh. in town, people that I was familiar with and, and people who were trying to do the same thing, but they'd all made six or eight or 10 or 18 episodes and then they'd stopped. Right. And so that gave me a little bit of pause. I was like, okay, this is probably a lot harder than I think it is. Absolutely. And, um, and did it end up being harder than you think it did? For sure. I mean, yeah. it was even harder than that. You know, I thought it was hard, and and it, yeah. it even turns out to be more work than I than than I, I thought it might be. Sure. And then um, the guys at Design Sensory, uh, which is an advertising agency in town, I just kind of picked their brains. Chris McAdoo was one of those guys who had done a podcast before, and he had made a lot of episodes. Yeah, I love him. Yeah, he's a good dude, and picked his brain a little bit, and he kind of got me fired up about it. I says, do it. You can do it. And then the guys at Design Sensory showed me the back end of how to do all of it. And then uh, and then I met Sam Thomas, who uh, is the producer of this podcast. And I mean, the guy's won 
now five Grammys for, wow. for as a recording engineer. So wow. he he helps um, he helps make it sound good. That's another thing too is I didn't want it to sound like I was having a phone conversation with somebody. I didn't want it to be lo-fi, low quality, and so that's why it kind of took it a little while to get off the ground too. Is because I wanted to make sure that it was up there and kind of punched with the big guys that were really doing it. And I wanted it to be just as good a quality because I'm familiar enough with the equipment and familiar enough with. Uh, with the idea of recording voices, at least. So once Sam came on, that's when it really became like a thing that was a, I think, a quality product. Well, it certainly has. Uh, I mean, a lot of people love it, man, and it certainly well, just thanks. turned into something that's become a big fabric, big part of the fabric of our our sleepy little river town over here. And I know that yeah. was one of the things you wanted to do, but for sure. And it's it's to me, it's interesting that you said you wanted to get it right beforehand because you've got your whole life to do the first one. And after you do that first one, you got to do another one a few days later. Yeah. So that leads me to this uh, another question. You say in a promo video on your website, and I quote, I really don't have an agenda with the podcast. What is your agenda with the podcast? Yeah, I, I think I recorded that video <laughs> right when I right when I started. And that was kind of my, I don't know, that was kind of a, something that I wanted to to almost it was almost a cop out to say that because I didn't want to I knew I couldn't just stick to musicians, artists and entertainers, which I think is smart. You just left it open ended, right? Yeah, I did. And that was a big that was a, a big thing that didn't like pigeonhole us into having to make something that just highlighted people that were in the same space that I'm in, you know, film and television, sure, filmmaking, content sure. creation, things like that. But, you know, it, it allowed me to then be able to reach out to, uh, to, you know, politicians and sure. jewelry makers, uh, like Caroline Ferris and, you know, sure. people like that who are doing things that aren't necessarily right in my wheelhouse, but I still think they're really important to our community and I think that they have really awesome stories and so I think it was a little bit of a cop out to say that I don't have an agenda uh I just, was just giving you a hard time man. it's it, it it was I mean it it I, I still don't though I don't see, I believe that though I believe I just want to be curious I just want to I just want to know answers to things that I've always wondered about and we want to know as well I hope so yeah. and I thought that that curiosity was not just mine you know I thought it was everybody's and you know use Scott West as an example yeah. I have I never met the guy until he came over here yeah. to do the podcast yeah. but I know a ton of people who knew him knew his whole story but I knew that his whole story didn't really live anywhere that you could take in in two hours right. in an audio kind right. of platform I think he did something with Halloran Hilton Hill yeah you know but he wasn't dropping f-bombs he on was that not, and, no. but he was here yeah. and so he was able to open up a little bit and sure. so I think that um uh, I, I think that like curiosity, I'm just kind of, uh, it's almost a selfish endeavor that I'm just kind of, uh, just kind of placating my own curiosity. <laughs> you know what? That's great, Ben. I, honestly, the most of the coolest things, because if it comes from a pure place and you're, you're a very pure person, very genuine, you, you seem to care about people and you want to, you're a, you, I mean, you've done a lot to put the, put the shine a light on a lot of people that don't always get the light sh uh, shown on them. So I'm just, you know. I, it, it, to me, it makes sense that you've lasted this long. To me, it makes sense that you just won uh, the Reader's Poll for Finest Podcast two years in a row. Yeah, man. It makes it makes so much sense to me. So I'm just I'm really grateful that uh, 
that you've been able to do it. And, and I just, I, the future's bright, huh? Yeah, I hope so. I mean, yeah. uh, I, I'm going to keep doing it. It's, it's hard because, um, when I, when I set out and made my list to do this podcast, when I was first coming up with my 50 guests sure. or however many I wanted to have. Yeah, but, I wasn't on there. Thanks a lot. It, yeah. It's, oh, it's, I think you were. We'll yeah. have to go back and check the yeah, note. Yeah, it's well, in my phone. Yeah, we'll but you know, I had, I had the, I had the mayor and, and Scott West and Ashley Caps were like my big there three that I wanted to know more about and talk to. And I, I've talked to both of those people this year. And so it kind of, it, I think it would be really easy to say icing on the cake, it's done and, and all that. But I don't, I really don't see that happening because I'm still having fun with it. I yeah. think Sam is still having fun with it. We're both enjoying it a lot. There's still plenty of story to be told Absolutely. out there. Yeah. So, and uh, uh, by the way, thank you for uh, for the congratulations on on the uh, readers poll. Yeah, man. W because uh, it, I think your paper is is more important to this town than than this podcast will ever be because you uh, do the, the you're you're doing the work in the trenches that matters so much to the arts community and other communities around here and it's 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 special man it really is well i appreciate you saying that uh you know, it's it's every time we get on here, it's like a mutual admiration society thing, which is, I guess, okay. It's better than the opposite, right? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that uh, are behind the scenes, and that's why I was so glad you thanked Sam, right? Mm-hmm. So glad you thanked him, and like I know you always uh, say, "Pitchwire, play me out." That's Matt Honkin, and you know, and so yeah, it's you, you are, um, you know, you. It's it's obvious that you understand how important it is to thank the people that actually, the oil that run the machine, you know, so. I mean, we've got so many people that work with the paper, so many people that have been with us for a long time, and um, I guess in about 11 days, it will be our 15-year anniversary of the paper. Amazing, man. Hard to believe. Congratulations, dude. That's a ton of hard work. I don't even understand. I mean, printing a paper is a hell of a lot harder than recording a podcast. I don't know, man. They're they're both, and you know what? They accompany one another really well, so I'm really glad that you're doing this. Well, thank you. And uh, there are a bunch of really awesome companies and people won the... uh, won the uh uh the readers poll yeah, yeah. The finest. and so it's uh it's really awesome to be lumped into that to that group of people because they're really they're really doing the the, the good work out there and yeah that i'm glad to see some recognition out there to the to the to the people who are um doing the things that make us tick big and, time and I'm, I'm glad that they're getting recognized by their peers there you, go. you know and by the readers of your paper me too man it's a it's always a really fun uh issue to put out there it's always fun to tabulate the votes and see just see where everybody's at. Potchkey was like a huge winner. They won. They won so many different categories that we had to print it on two, two different plaques. You know? Really? Yeah. And so, but what I'm going to do is the way I did it. It's it, I put like a comma, so it looks like they won like lunch, comma, new restaurant. So it almost looks like one category. So I'm going to make them four different ones where it's because they won new restaurant, new business, um, lunch, and. Delhi, I think. I still haven't been there, man. You got to go. It's uh, that was the first. My maiden voyage was when we took the award. It was the coolest thing ever, man. So, Amelia Bartlett, who helped me tabulate the votes, and she was, uh, we were riding around like telling the people that they won and giving them their awards. So we walked in there, and she's a big fan of the place and knows the owners. And uh, we walked in there, and we were handing them their awards, and it happened to be one of the owners' his birthday. And so he was, you know, had a balloon attached to it. It was just already a kind of an interesting, cool. Yeah, it's energy. already a circus. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and then it was right at lunchtime. We handed them their awards, and they're like taking it back. And then people are like taking pictures. 
And then Amelia says, they just won all these stuff, you know, and everybody stood up in the restaurant and clapped. Uh, that's great. awesome. It was, uh, yeah. And all the years we've been doing, it, I've never had uh, anything like that. A happen. hero's welcome yeah, like I mean, that. It was, it, dude, it was so cool. And it, it made them feel so good. And that's what it's about. Yes. So you're left-handed. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. What's up with that? Yeah, I don't know, man. I, uh, I don't My parents, I'm sure, didn't try to stop it hard enough. Oh, you know? man, I guess not. I don't know, man. There was a, there was a point in like the... Uh, <laughs> There was a point in the 80s and 90s and 2000s where all the presidents were left-handed. Is that right? Yeah. Like Really? Yeah. Huh. Like uh I think Reagan was left-handed. Okay. Uh I think George H.W. was not left-handed, okay. but Clinton W. Okay. and Obama were all three left-handed. So you had like you had like four or five presidents in a row were left-handed. So I was feeling pretty good about things. You know? It was hard in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you uh hit left, throw left? No, man, that's the worst part about it. I threw left and hit right handed. Oh man. I know. I didn't even get to get to take advantage of that uh curveball curving into me from the left side of the plate. Right handed pitch over. I know, dude. It's the worst of the worst. I was hoping yeah, it was gonna segue into baseball. Yeah, that's all I had. Being (laughs) being left handed, uh Yeah, you, you know, yeah, you don't think about it, but you drag your hand through the ink sure. when you're writing, and oh, it just yeah. makes a mess. Your hand, you walk around school with ink all over oh, your yeah. hand, unless you do that thing where you wrap your oh, hand yeah. around that most left-handed people do. I remember that? Yeah, and, but like the, the it, it wasn't meant to be written with the left hand. The language wasn't, the, the, especially cursive. Oh, all man. of it was meant to drag your pencil and create those l- cursive letters with your right hand. So it's almost like you're. You know, like you're pushing a rake. Oh, goodness. <laughs> it, oh, goodness gracious. I had no idea. Are you okay, man? Is it, yeah, I'm fine. Okay, you okay. know, the, the ladles <laughs> at, uh, at uh, like, buffets, you know, really get me because the, the spout's on the wrong side. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, it's like the you're spout, in the upside down or something. It is like being in the upside down. Really no respect. Oh, man. These Jeez. us lefties get out there. No kidding. It's like, if you're not, if it's, if it's not the baseball thing, just... There's nothing else to do, really. I don't think. I think it's still like less than a third of people are left-handed. Oh man, so. it's got to be like one sixteenth. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, goodness, it's. I just. I'm. I'm impressed with you. Uh, if. If. Uh, by nothing else, it's the the Southpaw thing. It's, I should have cool. gotten like a scholarship or something, right? Yeah. For being. Yeah, it's never too late <laughs> for my disability. It's never too late. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think so. I might go back. You can. You can go back. All of like, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't do something, Ben. You know. I know. Yeah. You know what I mean. No, man, that's true. There's this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, and he's like some kind of, I don't know, a lot of people think he's just this like, like bullshit motivational speaker or whatever, yeah. but that, but he's big on, he's, he's big on that. Like if you're 65 and want to do something yeah. new, just do it. Man, you should do it. You should go back to school. You, you should, think? Yeah, you should. Dude, I was a terrible student. You should quit all your jobs and just rededicate. I don't know what you would do though. You've done a lot already. Ah, you've done all this other stuff. Just try something new, you know? Yeah. One of my buddies, um was is the um he works at mastercraft and he's getting up there on the on the totem pole but when he i think when he first started working there he was a college dropout and had a good job with it with with mastercraft and uh he told me he was going to go back to school and go to tusculum and i was like why you have a great job right and um he's like me he was a guy that didn't really dig school that much he wasn't that great of a student and uh, he went to school at night, got his undergrad. I was like, okay, cool. Gets a promotion at work. And then, you know, next thing I know, he's going to get his MBA. Really? And now, you know, as a 35, 37-year-old guy, 
He's, uh, I mean, he's got his MBA. He's high up at MasterCraft. I think he's going to be the president of MasterCraft well, geez, one I was, day. I was just kidding, but man, now I'm starting to rethink it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I was trying to talk the guy out of going back to school because he didn't need to. And then now he's going to own, or uh, yeah. not, now he's going to run the, yeah, best, the best boat company in the world. Hey, you probably get a boat out of it, you know? I hope so, man. Those things are about $350,000. I know. I know. That's what they said. Oh, speaking of that, this is a nice house in, uh, garage or I'm sorry workshop area um, are you rich I <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I can I can assure you I'm not rich uh, I told you I was gonna lay it on you man I know like yeah like I said all the stuff I buy is broken I just fix oh, yeah, it up right. <laughs> it's the way to do it man it is a really nice backsplash in your kitchen though oh it is yeah, yeah the guys the guys that uh own this house before okay. I bought it uh, fixed it up. I mean, okay. you, you want to buy a house that you know is taken care of. Of course. A couple of gay guys is yeah. who you want to buy it from. 100%. style, man. 100%. Yeah, they did a great job. Oh, my god. We're gosh. reaping the benefits. That's great. Well, yeah, uh, so um, I'll just keep my opinion on that to myself. Um, so <laughs> in terms of movies, I know you've done a lot of stuff. We'll, we'll get to that later. Would you – let's do like a little spitfire round. Okay. You know, yeah, lightning round? Yeah, lightning round. That's what it's called. Um Okay, Fifth Element. Never or, seen it. Or Gattaca. Never seen it. Okay, you got some homework to do. Okay, this is a thing. Before we start yeah. this, you're going to find out I am uh-huh. the worst film buff there is ever is. Right? And people think that I, that I know everything about every yeah. movie, and I don't. I just yeah. don't really watch that many of them. I watch a lot of documentaries and stuff like that. So you don't watch real movies? I hadn't seen you, either of the Top Guns. And then you bat right-handed as well? Yeah, yeah, I've got a lot going against me. And I'm not rich either, which yeah. is, I know. Okay. I know. This isn't really going very well, dude. <laughs> um, okay. All kidding aside, so have you seen Selena? No. Okay, so uh, you have done a lot of goodness. I don't even know what all you've done in the um, world of moving art, or yeah, you know, what, motion what, pictures. You've done a lot of film stuff. Yeah, a lot of it though has been like has been things that you take in and see, but it's not theatrical releases of stuff. So like a lot of network promos and commercials okay. and documentaries and things okay. like that. But not a whole lot of, um, you know, the, the only movie I think I've ever really worked on that got a theatrical release was that one over there, Funny Money. Funny Money, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, everybody And I was that. an actor, and I was an actor on that. Oh, <laughs> was that uh, the one where you were with Chevy Chase? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's your, the, that was your big break, right? Yeah, that was my big break, man. That's how you got the, that's how you could afford this house. That's how I got the backsplash. <laughs> Uh, but so how did you get into this whole mess, man? So you said you're not the greatest student. Did you, did you, oh, well, actually, where did you grow up? Let's, let's I, I grew up in Knoxville. Okay. And, I've heard of it. And then yeah. what part of Knoxville? So I, I actually was, was born at Fort Sanders hospital. Okay. We're going way in back. 1985. What was the weather like? Do you remember? Yeah, dude, it was, it was a nice day. It was a nice May. Makes sense. May day, a little overcast, but Makes you know, sense. we made it work. <laughs> And we moved to Cumberland Gap. Like oh. We lived in Cumberland Gap. Oh, really. that's great, I bet. Yeah. My dad owned a house that he bought in college that was in uh, Island Home. Yeah. Um, but he worked in uh, he worked in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, mm-hmm. I think. And so we lived at, at Cumberland Gap when I was a baby. And uh, I think we moved to Island Home when I was about two years old. Oh, that's great, man. Mm-hmm. My brother was born down here. He was actually – my brother was uh, – He's he's about two and a half years younger than I am, but he was three months premature. He weighed like two pounds and a couple ounces. Wow. He was really little. Okay. And uh, so he was in the ICU for 
ever I for bet, like man. for a long time. Yeah. And so since he was born at uh at Fort Sanders, I think he was born at Fort Sanders and we had the house in Island Home. Mm-hmm. My dad had I think my family pretty much kind of relocated down here and um and we kind of had to hang out close to little bro while he was getting it while he was getting it going yeah. learning how to be a learning how to be a kid yeah. <laughs> and then uh we moved down we moved down to Knoxville pretty pretty soon after that and then i uh went to i went we moved to Farragut uh Eagle Glen i believe is okay. the name of the neighborhood where the par 3 golf course yeah. is yeah our house was like on that little par 3 golf course and okay. off north shore before it was all built up over there and uh and I went to Farragut Primary School, and then they built AL Lots. Oh, remember AL that? Lots. Yeah, yeah. went to AL Lots in the third grade, and then we moved to Mariners Point when I was nine years old. That's where I met Sarah. Sarah okay. lived in Mariners Point, oh. uh, so we lived in the same neighborhood. How, how old were you at that point? Nine. Y'all, y'all, you've known your wife for that long. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think we, I, I was eight or nine. Yeah, yeah, you better get that right. Is yeah. this recording? Uh, it's recorded. <laughs> yeah, this is recorded. Yeah, that's right. Eight or nine works. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's it hard was, to remember. It was almost 30 years ago. How about that? Congratulations that, on that. That's that so cool. It is crazy, and it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And uh, we, we of course, didn't get serious until we were in college. But I thought you were going to say till we were like 10 or 11. Yeah, until we were 10 or 11. <laughs> then, we, then we knew it was time to lock it up. We got engaged, and then we got married when we Promise were 29. Ring. Promise ring. Yeah, the purity ring. <laughs> um, but really, like the- the big the big way that I got into the, the film and television business was Beard in High School. Okay. Um I had a theater teacher in I think ninth or tenth grade named Katie Alley, Katie Norwood at the time. Okay. And um I was cut up class clown, like kind of a, you know, yeah. skip class and smoke pot kind of kid. Yeah. Like not really into into it that much. Sure. Um, you didn't go to school high. You went to, or you went. You didn't go to high left. school. You went to school high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of. And then, and then went to play frisbee golf. There you go. Um, but she, for some reason, saw that. Uh, I guess I had some. I had some natural ability or talent for theater and acting, and um, you know, I got good grades in her classes and yeah. bad grades in all the rest. Sure. One very similar experience here. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And uh, my, I guess in. When I like my junior year in high school, she started giving me a little more responsibility and she was pretty hard on me because she knew that I was, you know, having too much fun and not taking something seriously. And, um, and so, uh, in like our junior year, she started to really like press on me and she'd been a teacher that I was close with for a while. And then my, I guess my senior year in high school, uh, I had gotten into the advanced acting class, which was. Uh, a class that you had to audition for to even enroll in. And I guess I, I auditioned well. She she let me in. And then um the 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 purpose of the of the advanced acting class at Bearden High School at the time was to do was to work on a production, a play for uh for the whole semester. And then at the end it was the big theater production for the high school. Okay. At the end of the year. You sure. know, it ran in May for like a week. Sure. Right before How graduation. many performances do you remember? Uh I think we did five or six performances and a few dress rehearsals in front of the school before we did the big nighttime runs and all that. Yeah. But uh I was doing that uh 
and just kind of the same thing. Like, how do I get out of this? How do I get out of school as quickly <laughs> right. as possibly and go sure. do something else? And again, yeah. she and another a classmate named Amanda Thomas was like, listen, man, like we're doing Hamlet for our production. It's super hard. There's a lot more people in this class who are more experienced with you at acting, but I think you're the best one, and I think you should go out for Hamlet. And no I was way. like, that's that's a lot of work. Like, I can't memorize, you know, a, a five-hour Shakespeare wow. play or whatever. And uh, she, and this this peer, this student, Amanda Thomas, um, like she was on me. She she was very experienced with with acting, and and she said, come over to my house. Uh, and we'll we'll get this role down, and we'll get you to read it, memorize it, embody it, figure it out. Wow! And I auditioned for that part, and I wanted to be like torchbearer number three, sure. you know, and oh, do yeah. as little as possible. Sure. But uh, but I auditioned for it, and while I was not the best actor in the class or the most devoted student in the class, uh, I, I got cast by that by that teacher. Um, Katie Norwood as as Hamlet. How about that? And um, it's like you know the dog that caught the bus a little bit. Yeah. I was like, oh no, yeah. there's a lot. Like there's an entire class of people. There's a 35 person class Man. and a cast of a Shakespeare play that's relying on me to do a really good job. And so I did. I took it very seriously. And I had a couple of really bad days with that play. And Katie was all over me to like. Get your shit together, man. Like That's you've great. you've got to you've got to do better than this. You're not wow. taking this seriously enough. And then the run of that play of that Hamlet play in high school was as sad as it may be, probably the thing in my life that I'm still the most proud of. That's excellent doing because it was it was such a it was it went awesome. Yeah. Uh, and the, the everybody in the play was amazing, and I think a lot of it had to do with you can't let this chump show you up. You know what I mean? So everybody put it. in a lot of hard work, How and it was that, a really great production. And then I was like, man, I've been acting a little bit here and there growing up. I'm I'm gonna do, I'm gonna like make a career out of it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna go to college for it. And I went to the University of Tennessee, okay, as a uh, theater major. And I was there for um, for a semester and didn't have anybody who gave who who cared about me like Miss Miss Norwood did. Sure. And so I just kind of fell back into my, you know, oh, I've got talent for this. I can do it. I'm good at it. I understand it. Um, but I didn't really push myself. I was more interested in hanging out with my buddies. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized I kind of had to get away from my habits. And that's when I moved to Los Angeles. So and that's why you moved to LA was to do acting stuff. Yeah. yeah. 2004, 2004. Okay. Yeah. And then took uh, a handful of acting classes in, in the Valley. Same deal though. Like not really catching any breaks because I wasn't working that hard at it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the, one, I was dating a girl at the time whose, whose friend was a, um, whose friend was a, an associate producer on a reality TV show and I, I think my, my, the girl I was dating at the time was like, man, this, he needs to do something. <laughs> like he can't, he's got to yeah. get it together. He yeah. can't be working at restaurants in LA. Like sure. he needs to get in the business somehow. Yeah. And so I got a job on a TV show called Mr. Romance in 2004. And it was like a cheesy, uh, reality TV show on the oxygen network about, uh, a, 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 it was a competition show. It was like the bachelor for, okay. for, uh, you know, for, for the oxygen network. And 
that was my first foray into production. We were working 14 to 16 hour days. I was a production assistant. I was making $100 a day. Okay. It was the best money I've ever made. I thought I was killing it. Sure. And uh, I just, I, I was like, this is the same feeling that I got from the acting thing. This whole this whole carnival, this whole production that's happening is the same thing as the run of a play. Like everybody working together in this, moving this ship in one direction and somehow creating something and making something that's indelible and something that um, is is only going to be it, itself. There's nothing ever that's going to be made like this again. And so I kind of got, um, I kind of got into the production world from that because much like my high school drama teacher there was a there was an executive producer on that show who noticed that I was the hardest working PA and I was there first thing in the morning uh and and last thing at night her name was Joanna uh Green uh, uh, Joanna Greenstone and she noticed I was a hard worker and noticed that I really enjoyed doing it and that I was grateful for the experience and she hired me as a staff PA at uh at their production company which was called the Greif company and um you know again, kind of fell back into the old, old ways. Cause it was an office job. There wasn't real, like I was happy to make everybody's job easier, but it wasn't necessarily fulfilling creatively. And so I, I didn't really excel there, but I did get promoted to production coordinator and I was just kind of saw the, the kind of a gross um, underbelly of the, mm-hmm. of the television business a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, man, you know, I'm 19 at the time. I was wow. like, if I'm going to, if I'm going to do, if I'm going to make it in this business in any, any capacity in front of the camera, behind the camera, I need to know a lot more about the business. And so I decided to move, uh, to, to move back to the East coast. And I went to film school Okay, at uh, Carolina film Institute in South Carolina. Okay. And that's when it, that was like the moment of like that you're going to be in the film business somehow, one way or another. Still didn't know what I was going to do, right? But it was like this is my skill set. I understand it. Um, I'd already worked in it for a few years. I'd worked in the business, and to learn a little bit more about it was going to only be good for me. Sure. And then so that's how uh, that's how that <laughs> that's how I got into it. Is that a long enough answer for you? I was hoping it would be a little bit longer, but that'll do. Um, so you mentioned a lot of different stops along the way there. So. There's, uh, what you say, PA or production assistant. So, okay, production assistant. Yeah. And then you mentioned executive producer. I don't. A lot of times when you're, um, you'll have like industry people on here. Yeah. And um, for like the layman's like me, like sometimes I have trouble distinguishing between the roles of some of these things. So I was yeah. going to see if maybe you could go through some of the some of the roles that like like okay, so uh, I know actor. I think I yeah. know what they do. Yeah. I know director. Yeah. I know like music supervisor. Yeah. And then I don't really know anything else. So like, so an executive producer, is that somebody, is that, are they like ultimately in charge or they are in charge of the director or how does all that stuff work? It's, it's probably a yeah. really crazy question and a hard answer. Well, it, it's, it's, I think it's different depending on what sector of the marketplace you're in. Like okay. an executive producer on a, on a movie, like the Top Gun that just came out mm-hmm. is going to be. Um, you know, maybe a little bit different than an executive producer at our production company, Pop Fizz, uh, will be. Um, And then sometimes, like in movies, you'll see uh, producers kind of, it's just like a a little bit of a name 
It's just a little bit of a credit that see, you that's, get. See, I've noticed that as well. So then I don't, it's, to me, I don't know what to make of it. Does that yeah. make sense? Uh, it's nebulous and it's not, there's not, I don't think, uh, it, it's not necessarily as defined as you, uh, of an answer as you would want it to be. But yeah, the executive producer is, uh, is ultimately, and in, in the television world anyway, mm. really answering to the network. Okay. And if you're making a television show, then the executive producer is the point of contact okay. for the for the television network. And then everything, you know, everything uh, below them on the tree, um, all their producers and field producers and associate producers are helping the executive producer execute different parts of the process okay. uh, along the way. That makes perfect sense. So, you know, like, and then there's like, uh, I don't know if this is only film or if it's in TV as well, but like, there's like, you know, grips and yeah. Best boys and all yeah. that stuff. Like what's so is it I just it, it's it's fast. Dolly to me. grips. Dolly grips. That's a yeah. that's a great one. Isn't, isn't that a good one? Yeah, that's probably the best yeah. one. Yeah, key grip and best boy. Best so boy. the uh um uh, so so grips uh are in charge uh so so you have uh if you break out kind of two departments of the capture of what of what you're capturing okay. and break it down into two roles one the director is responsible for and that is the keeper of the story okay and uh the performance of the actors mainly is is what that is so Perfect. they're they're worried about what you're seeing on camera uh how, how the emotion that it's conveying okay um that's what the director is is in charge of uh and and then they they have a department below them that's you know assistant directors and then the whole production department that carries out all of the things that the director needs to get his vision in front of the lens right so is that like and lighting then, and stuff like that no is so it? that's the other fork of oh, that okay. deal so the director and then the director of photography is that other fork and the director of photography is focused on everything from uh, the camera to the lighting okay. uh, and and kind of how that all comes through they don't the director of photography doesn't care if it's a if it's a great performance or not as long as it looks good okay. you know what I mean that's yeah. the director's job to worry about the to worry about the performance and the emotion that comes out the 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 director of photography wants to make sure that they walked in and hit their mark in front of the okay. correct light gotcha. that they had set so below the or, I don't want to say below because it sets up this hierarchy. I understand that, that, what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So in there, uh, who reports to them? You have uh, a gaffer. Okay. And uh, a, a key grip. Okay. And they do what? They, what do they so, do? So a gaffer is the head of the electric department. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And so- That is a cool name for that. It makes sense. It is. And it's it's a it's a really important job. Yeah. Uh, because you're talking about large amounts of electricity. You're talking about a ton of lights that have to be out there. So the director of photography will work with the gaffer to okay. make sure that they have all the lights that they want. The director of photography says, here's the quality of light I want. The gaffer says, here's how we're going to get you there with these kinds of heads and these kinds yeah. of lamps. And this is the how many generators we're going to need to do it and how many three-phase runs we're going to need and how much power we're going to need to do this. And then uh, the other one kind of equal to the gaffer underneath the director of photography is the key grip. Okay, And the key grip uh, is responsible for everything that makes the light get to that place, if that makes sense. So the stand <laughs> that the light that the light goes on, okay, the sandbags that hold the stand, wow. the condor lift that holds the big twenty by silk over the talent, uh, yeah. the all all of that. So they're more of an erector set kind of job. Wow. And then so if uh, one way to think about it is the uh, 
the the gaffer is responsible for the lighting instrument, the head, that, okay. the, and and making it power on and work. The key grip and his department are responsible for making for putting that that lighting instrument in place. Okay, making it safe. Yeah, that's a big part of the key grip's job. Makes total sense. Ma- is is safety. Yeah, and then any kind of modifier that goes in between that light and the talent. So you're talking about diffusion nets, reflectors, anything like that. Yeah, that's the key grip's job. So to me, it's like it's a it's it's a controlled chaos, right? But it seems like the relationships between these people has to be really i'd say that's why a lot of people like working with people they're comfortable with or they've worked with in the past because those relationships have to be just right i imagine if you want it to to succeed if there's there's a lot of moving parts sure and if there's any kind of dissent in between any of those roles it just makes this already hard thing much harder sure and i'm sure that happens you know it has to (laughs) it does egos get involved and you know it it gets ugly and i bet and so you i bet you can tell pretty quickly and maybe even going into it, if you know who, who you know who you're working with, I bet you can tell pretty quickly, like, oh, this is going to be a good one, or this is going to be smooth. Yeah, I, I think you can, and I think that it's the intangible of, of uh, <laughs> as simple as it seems, being a decent human being sure. who's civilized in Jeez. nature and a kind individual, mm-hmm. and has the team in mind and carrying out this this thing in mind, other than carrying out their own vision, and. Uh, so when you have a really good crew, that's what made me fall in love with it. See, is, I believe is it. all these people, this team. I'm mm-hmm. sure you see it with music festivals all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. You have this love going all around, and everybody is doing much better work because they are proud of what they're doing. They're being treated with respect. Yeah. They think that what they're doing is meaningful. Mm-hmm. And you get much better work out of people. But then, you know, you do. You get you get a a, a DP and a gaffer who aren't on the same page and it makes everything harder. Man. You get a gaffer and a key grip who both think they should, you know, be be the, the other one's boss and, right. you know, you get egos involved and that makes everything harder. But um, it you, you, when, you, when it works, it's beautiful. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, it's a disaster. Yeah. There's probably, I mean, I'm sure there's a little bit of middle ground, but I, I'd say that you can usually tell. Man, it's, it's, thank you for explaining that. And I apologize if that bored anybody that's in the business, but I just, I would always, I've always wanted to know. And I would always wonder when I hear you talking with people. Um, and oh, yeah. And so what's Best Boy? Did we figure that out yet? Yeah. So they're, they answer, they're, uh, they directly report to the key grip. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and then the Best Boy Electric directly reports to the gaffer. Wow. Yeah. And they are kind of the, um, you'll get a lot of different um, gaffers who work differently or key grips that work differently, especially if they have big crews underneath them. You might see a gaffer just stand by the monitor and talk to his crew on a walkie talkie and say, I need this here. I need this there. And his best boy might be making all that happen for him while he's watching the whole team quarterbacking his whole team. Uh, but sometimes if you're on a smaller crew, the gaffer will be grabbing lights out of the truck and helping put them on the stand and all that. So, and then, you know, key grips are the same way, but the best boy is their, is their go-to kind of, kind of right hand man that's, that's ca- the, helping the rubber meet the road for them. And that's why they're the best boy. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is good too. I don't know, man. Doesn't sound like it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the dolly grip. Oh yeah. You know what a dolly is? Uh, dolly Parton. Yeah. Uh-huh. I do. All right. Next question. No, <laughs> no, seriously. The, like a dolly that you push something on. Yeah. You put, yeah. you, the camera mounts on a dolly yeah. and you'll, and you'll, and you'll push you'll push a dolly uh, down some track and yeah. get the camera to move along sure. a long ways if it's not on a steady cam or a 
crane or something like that. And a dolly grip is really important because the track has to be level. The track has to all be laid oh, in man. place. And and so a dolly grip is is in charge of, of that piece of filmmaking equipment. That would mess up a scene if you threw some the track down and then all of a sudden it like runs over a jolly rancher or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's bad news, dude. You can't get a bump in the camera. You don't no, see that man. at the Oscars. No, you do not. <laughs> you see a lot of stuff, but not that. Um, let's see here. So what else? Okay. Have you seen any Polly Shore movies, man? Uh, I don't know. Come on, man. Encino Man or Son-in-Law or Biodome, Biodome. maybe. I have seen Polly Shore in person before. Oh boy, yeah. Well, he at was the com- fine at the comedy store. No, his mom is the head of the comedy I know store. It. I know it. Yeah, she um, was. Or yeah, she's dead, right? Yes. Yeah, and too. so I, there's a wonderful, wonderful documentary on Showtime called The Comedy Store. Mm. So they, you know, I don't know why they named it that, but so. It is fantastic. It's like a little mini series, like five episodes. It came out, I think, during the Rona. Um, I have to check it out. It's good, man. If you got Showtime, and if not, then uh, I heard that there's ways that you can like, you know, find it out there. Yeah. Like maybe if you have friends or something. Yeah. <laughs> People say that. I don't. I don't take a part in anything. Nah, man. You're like gonna put that, a dolly grip out of business if you start sharing you your Showtime I mean? password. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Golly, I'll pick. A, I'm never eating another Jolly Rancher as long as I live. So. Um, <laughs> Okay, so what else? Uh, man, striking out on the thought for sure. Okay, so Polly Shore was that? Should we talk about that or no? I mean, it was it was uneventful. Yeah. Um, uh, he was uh, walked into the restaurant that I was working at in yeah. L.A. and just kind of walked in like he owned the place oh, and kind of didn't want to be seen and just kind of went and yeah. I seated him at his table and off I went and I never saw him again. You didn't tell him to wheeze the juice or anything. Should I have done that? What's that from Encino Man? Uh, I think it's from all of them actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I think it's if you see him, it's just what he says. I don't know that he knows anything else, but, but no. I mean, I love Encino Man. Uh, I would say Son in Law uh, is right behind that, and then followed by Biodome. Um, so, have you when you were in L.A. Mm-hmm. Did you get to take part in any of the fun um, stuff that goes on out there? Like, did you? I don't. The comedy store, like cocaine. No, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that or, you know, um, but I, there was, you know, there's so many good eras of comedy out there and uh, there's so many, obviously there's a lot going on out there always, yeah. but um, yeah. short answers. No, like yeah. I, I was 19 years old, so I couldn't go to clubs, man. I guess that's true. So how long were you out there? Two years, 19 to 20. 20 yeah. 1920. Okay. Yeah. 20, 20, 2004, 2005. 2004, 2005. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I think that, uh, and I don't know that the comedy scene was as, um, prolific then as it is now. It seems like it's having a, a renaissance moment sure, right it, now. It seems to come and go, uh, especially from those clubs that we've talked about out yeah, there. Yeah, but I mean, who was the biggest? Who had the biggest special then? Gosh, Robin Williams, maybe. You yeah, know, something like that. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, that or maybe Chris Rock or something. Yeah, the big actors, Eddie Murphy. Yeah. you know those kinds of guys that were that yeah. were big, big. And then they were doing stand-up, and yeah. then the underground scene I just wasn't familiar with. But yeah. now it seems like it's a huge boys' club and girls' club. Sure. But it's like a, a, a clicky thing. It like is. Everybody knows everybody. and That's true. Yeah, the comedy thing's always been interesting to me. So I just always wondered. Um, that's one of the – I'm not a – I don't – I've been to L.A., but I really haven't – I mean, just I, – I, I don't know that I would – if I went out there, I would want to hang out at the – you know, the comedy clubs and see like the next up and coming thing, I think, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I'll probably do that next time I go just because I'm aware of it now. Yeah. And I don't know if you can get into the comedy store or and probably not whatever. even there's people probably laughing at us like these rednecks 
<laughs> uh, well, you still got nice backsplash anyway. Well, but you know, uh, if you hear the Theo Vaughns of the world mm-hmm. tell it, um, you know, it's it's the craft of stand-up comedy is moving out of, yeah. of L.A. And there's still plenty of people there doing it. But it seems yeah. like, um, especially if you've already built a career, it really pays right. to be somewhere where you can get on a bus. Yeah. And and go and go see your crowd. Kind of in the middle of the country or something. Yeah, I mean he he lives in Nashville, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of a lot of Austin, a lot of Nashville, a lot of. Com- yeah, Joe right. Rogan got everybody to move to Austin, I think. Yeah, including I, Tesla. Yeah, it's man, <laughs> unbelievable. Pretty sure. So okay, that brings me to my next point. Um, so you okay? So now, currently, how did you end up? For, so from that part of your journey. Now you're working with Pop Fizz. Like, what's mm-hmm. how did all that come across? How did that happen? So after I got out of film school, my mother-in-law introduced me to a director named Michael Underwood, who was in Knoxville. He okay. owned a company called Tantrum Pictures. Okay. And Michael was kind of in the twilight of his career at the time. He still had a good 10 years left in him, but he was he uh, he is a double income, no kids situation. So he really had time to focus on his craft, which he had done for 30 years at the time. And he was really good at it. And he'd done a bunch of stuff. And he came from the same background I did. He yeah. started acting when he was in high school. Did he have a part of it? Did, was he had anything to do with Encino Man? Or? Yeah, I don't think so. I, think I just, was, I just wanted, I just asked. He was more, <laughs> he, he was more of a, of, of a commercial guy, okay. directed commercials and, and, and all that. And, my mother-in-law introduced me to him. Um, I'm, I'm sure because she wanted her daughter to uh, have something to eat. At sure, some point. of course. Yeah, let's uh, get this. Yeah, but but he uh, <laughs> he was. It, it turned out to be. I mean, my my greatest mentor because he took me under under his wing. Um, when he had time to devote to somebody, he had done it. He had done a career, uh, had taken part in a career that was very successful, um, directed stuff all over the world and had done really great stuff and was in a place in his life where he was ready to give back Mm -hmm. and kind of leave a bit of a legacy. And, um, again, hard on me a little bit. See, that's the one, that's the way. That's how you kind of know if somebody's, if somebody cares, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was very grateful to have my first job with him and then mm-hmm. very grateful to have my second job with him. And then when I went on my third job with him, we got on an airplane and he had one of the guys on our crew, uh, who was ultimately the guy that I reported to. Uh, I'll never forget it. We were on our way to, um, we were on our way to McKinney, Texas to shoot a commercial. And, uh, the, the director of photography who I was working with, uh, was like, um, you, you need to work on some stuff and you need, and it was stuff that like, it, it hurt me to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like you're, it wasn't like you're not good at your job necessarily. Sure. It was like, you need to work on your interpersonal stuff with, with how you interface with a film crew and you need to work on taking this part more seriously. And, um, I kind of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that Michael had a conversation with him at some sure. point and yeah. said, like, listen, get your boy right, because I want, I want, you know, hope to keep him around. Yeah. But like that moment was pivotal. Pivotal. Uh, that guy's name, the director of photography, his name uh, is Josiah Morgan. He lives in Atlanta. He's a DP in a Steadicam op. Uh, works on Walking Dead and all the movies that come through Atlanta. He works oh, on excellent. all kinds of stuff. He's excellent. great. Um, so I started working with that crew and we went around the country for a couple of years filming a couple of different, uh, a couple of different 
kind of commercial campaigns for HGTV that came out of the um, yeah. the, the scripts building at the time, sure. uh, client over there. Uh, and we were a small crew and Michael was smart um, uh, to uh, w- with what he wanted to do and impart, you know, his knowledge onto me and his experience onto me. He, he gave me way too much responsibility and I had to, uh, I, I was right there watching, watching him do his thing all the time and just sponging it up. And Michael ultimately had to, uh, he, he, you know, moved away and moved out of town, but he, you know, a lot of people will say he's the most professional, uh, loving, kindest man they've ever worked with in the film business because he took it so seriously. Uh, he didn't let anybody really lapse. He, he, you did, you did an A plus job every time. You never got to make a 98 on the test. You made a hundred every single time. Is that right? Yeah. But not like, not in, not in a taskmaster kind of way. Like because you respected him? Because you respected him and you, yes. And you wanted, you, you, you took pride in the fact that Michael believed in you. Man, that's what a, what a wonderful compliment. It was unbelievable. I've never seen anybody work that way in my life. And it is the most effective, effective manner of leadership I've ever seen in my entire life. So what do you have? Like, maybe not necessarily an example, but like, uh, was it more of, was it a vibe thing? Or is it like a, you just kind of knew, did he have a presence? What was, what was it that made that so? Um, he was always kind okay, and never, never said a bad word about anybody. And, um, you could um, you could probably qualify it as maybe passive aggressive mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it that way, sure, because it was very clear to me what Michael wanted, and if and if you were if you were uh, helping him carry out the vision that he wanted to carry out, and if you were doing a good job at it, and if you weren't, he was very honest with you mm-hmm. and would tell you that uh, that that that's not that's not right for the job right now. Um, but he always did it in a way he, he always made sure that he was not that he always made sure that he was communicating with people, even that he disagreed with and was adversarial with in a kind way, man. And so that's uh, and that's just the way to do it. It's it seems like it's tougher when you're in a position to where you have to um, ask something of someone that, you know, they're capable of or you hope that they're capable of. But it seems like it's tougher to kind of, I don't know, it's just the right way. It is the right way. just tell them the truth, mm-hmm. but be kind about it. You yeah. know, as kind as you can. Uh, and I think it takes a lot of like, it takes a lot of confidence to be able to do that. It, it, it does. It you have to be takes, comfortable in your own skin, I imagine. Yes. And you have to be okay with failing if the person isn't, do, if right. Isn't, isn't right in the way that they're carrying stuff right. out. But- um, I, I think he was so confident in, in his, in himself and, uh, the way that he was doing things that it, if you, uh, even if you chose to do something a different way than, than he, uh, than, than he thought, I think he still knew, uh, I think he still knew that, that it was your decision to make and gave you, uh, all the kindness in the world and, and all the empowerment to do, to do man, what you wanted to do. That's great, man. So communication is just what makes the world go right. I think it's the most opinion. important tool we have one, other than our eyeballs. Yeah. It's like number one and everything else is like, it starts at like 20 and then 21 <laughs> and then 22. You know what I'll I mean? I'll buy that. It yeah. Really, like, so I've got an example of that, that's of something I've learned recently that's, that I really dug. Cause I like picking up on things. That's why I was asking you, I was genuinely interested in how, 
uh, I could maybe get somebody to give me a compliment like you just gave him, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah. always trying to get better. So my homeboy, uh, Matthew Emmer, he is, uh, he and his brothers and their wives uh, bought that property in Jamestown that I was telling you about. They bought an old golf course. Uh, called, on the Cumberland Plateau? Yeah, it's over there. Well, it's like, uh, yeah, exactly. Actually, it's right past... Um, Big South Fork. It's in Jamestown. Okay. And so we just left. Uh, they just had their uh, the third of three festivals this mm. this summer. I've been helping them out with that out there, and um, but whenever so he's a, he's a brilliant teacher, and it's it's he's such such an effective communicator. But he's always kind. But I've noticed I've picked up something from him. And I've completely stolen it. And he says when you're doing something that he doesn't like, he doesn't say no 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 you're doing it wrong or man just get out of the way. He says check this out. Oh, I like it. And then he shows you how to do it. Yeah. It's so smooth, that's man. Like it's so effective. Yeah, that's like a natural teacher-leader kind of Truly. way to approach that. Truly. And it's like, you're like, oh, wait, you know, I'm in. Like, I do want to check this out. I do want to get better. I want to get it right, you know? Yeah. But it's the same kind of thing where it's like you just want to please the guy because he's being so kind. And he wants you to do it right, you yeah. know? And he wants you, he's going to get it done, but he's going to do it, you know, in the right way. I just, I love stuff like that. Nobody wants to hear... You know what you ought to do? Oh gosh! You know, yeah. Nobody wants nobody wants to hear. Uh, you're not going to do it like that, are you? Oh gosh! Nobody wants to hear that shit. No, man, it's the worst. <laughs> and you can't tell creative people no. Uh, in a, in some in some instances, you have to. I mean, everybody's different, you know. But like some people, they'll just shut down if you tell them no all the time. Mm. You, know? you can't you can't just say no. You have to be like, okay, how about this? You know, yeah. it, it, it that, that stuff doesn't it, it's. It makes all the difference, right? And that's why, you know, that's why you were just are so grateful. And Yeah. And I, I think that of, and, and that's why I, I say, you know, Michael Underwood is my, my number one mentor because I was so young at the time and yeah. so impressionable. Mm -hmm. And I spent so much time watching him work that I got to see it work. I got to see it not work. Sure. I got to see his, and I got to hear what other people said about him. I got to Absolutely. hear how other people took in him as a person and um yeah it was it was it was really valuable and something that um just c i could not have been luckier to have that be my first uh exposure to the film business as a professional uh, in in my real professional life that's so great so what are you doing nowadays in your day in day out because you're all over the place and i love that seems like yeah. you have a lot of um uh, it just seems like you always got a lot going on yeah man um so I, about Six years ago, mm -hmm. I started, um, Michael started, uh, Michael Underwood started kind of talking about moving closer to his grandkids, uh, which live a couple states over, and kind of uh, just saw him not, not focusing less on the on the stuff that we were doing but he was focusing a lot more on his still photography and his fine art photography work which was just kind of his thing sure i helped him do i went to europe with him three times to film uh to film video of him doing his his fine art photography stuff but i could kind of see him start to uh look at his next trimester of life gotcha and his kind of you know how he's going to ride this thing out yeah and it didn't involve as much film stuff as as it had before when we were really hitting it hard. And I just had my first kid, and um, I, I needed. That's a lot of pressure for uh, uh, to to provide for you know a, a family. My sure. wife was in school, yeah. uh, so it was it was time for me to figure out something that was a little more steady and certain. Mm -hmm. And that's when. Uh, that's when my buddy Cody Walters, uh, who I'd worked with quite a bit in the past, 
introduced me to Brian Allen that owned Pop Fizz. He had just started Pop Fizz a few years earlier, which was a production company that came out of nowhere. Brian didn't know anything about film and television production, and he will still tell you that that is his biggest strength as a production company owner is that he's... Uh, he doesn't know how it was done before, he, but he is figuring out how to do it as he goes. And he's uh, come up with some really great methodology and some really great techniques that Man, I, I completely disagreed with when I met him. Yeah. Uh, that I agree with now after that? watching watching him make all this stuff work. Yeah. But uh, Cody Walters introduced me to him. Uh, Brian and I talked for a few months said, you know, I, I'd actually had my own little production company at the time, Patchwork Films. I was pretty much just taking Michael Underwood's overflow stuff from Tantrum Pictures. That's what it was. That's patchwork work with Insano yeah. Man, right? Uh, uh, yeah, that must have been what, <laughs> That's it, what was. it was. Yeah, we got a credit on okay, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I, but Brian said, you know, what if I, what if I took over or bought your company from you, which was me and a book of business pretty much. Nice. And, um, said you you come work at pop fizz we take all your equipment in in your book of business and we all work together and you have some kind of uh sharing kind of yeah sharing the wealth with us a little bit if you so choose yeah um so it wasn't a completely bad deal for me yeah. uh it sounds like a bad deal uh but but that's um it was hard from going from running my own shop and mm-hmm. having people that work with that that i was that i got to choose to hire and work with me um, to now be uh, peers with a, a group of a production family who uh, didn't really know that well and had never worked before. And frankly, I didn't think a lot of them um, knew what they were doing because they took took Brian's approach of, I don't know what I'm doing and that's fine. I'm going to figure it out. I know the equipment. I know the techniques. And I'm just going to figure out a new way to do this and we're going to disrupt the space. And so... Um, That's challenging, you know, for you to to jump into that, I'm sure. It was super hard because coming from the consummate consummate Mm -hmm. professional master of the craft, Michael Underwood, to like almost um, uh, a, a, a... uh, Wild West of gunslingers, yeah, who like were cowboy like, style, yeah, who were killing it. I love it and doing great work. I mean, but it took, like, it honestly took a year once once I came over to Pop Fizz to really trust the process and to trust that Brian had the right vision for the company. I'll tell him that. I've told him that to his face sure. plenty of times. Sure. I mean, we have a a running joke that, uh, you know, that that when he and I disagree. Let's just get rid of all the formalities and let's just go along with his idea because it's pretty much always the right one. Oh, I love it. Uh, he's proven me wrong so many times. That's great. Well, it's great. I'm sure he likes working with you because you're you all have that relationship. We have, we're pretty close, man. Yeah, and, that's great. And he and he runs our company and uh you know he well he and he will tell you he owns our company but Chris Kristen Majney, our executive producer she runs the show and yeah. there's no no joke no questions yeah. about who runs the show. I love it. Too. Uh, but uh, I've, I've ever ever since I started uh, working with the two of them, uh, we've we've grown a lot, and our company's gotten you know to where we're double digits people, we're you know a dozen folks or so now, and um, you know there's three of us that have been there for most of the time. Uh, Brian's been there forever. Kristen came on pretty shortly after that, and then mm-hmm. I was the third. Okay. Uh, I'm the one who's been there the longest after that. So okay. we're kind of uh, the 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 three of us at. at at some level, our kind of staked or our stead is to you know operate the company the way that we see is fit, and we all have a lot of different skill sets, and so 
Um, one of the things that uh, one of the, one of the things that I've been uh, that I've been doing for the last few years is is you know working with our outdoor brands and and our clients to 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 try to find more work that's in in spaces that I'm interested in and like that, fishing like fly fishing documentaries yes. which we've made four of now that have gotten into the you know the fly oh, fishing film it. tour which yeah. is the big the big one for for that for that uh, world. Um, so yeah, like I just got back from Mexico filming, filming one down there, which was the best one we've done yet. Did you um, catch anything? I actually got to, got to fish this time. It's the first, the fishing was so good that the, uh, that the boys let me fish this time. Oh, I'm usually good. on the camera the sure. whole time, yeah, but yeah. they let me fish this time and I caught my first tarpon on the fly. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It was, it, it was really cool. Tarpon on a fly. So how did that, what was, I bet that's a maniacal feeling when that hits. Yeah. So how did it go? Tell me, walk me through it real quick. Well, tarpon are really big fish. They're super old Yeah, and, uh, they're, they're really large and a lot of people fish for them uh around the uh panhandle of florida where migratory tarpon come through so okay. they migrate during certain times of year and thanks like, for breaking that down they said that big m word and then i was like okay i think that has something to do with migrate so. <laughs> it seems like the latin root thank is so migrate much. thank you so much man uh, but they're guy. like big they're like 150 pound nice. fish that come through there and so it's like for a lot of people it's this um it's just like species that it's a it's a bucket list species to catch on the fly, and uh, when I was down in in Mexico with the guys, we were actually we were fishing on um, kind of a different approach. They're not they're not migratory tarpon. They're they're resident tarpon, so they live in the same place their whole life, and they live in what is called uh, cenotes in this part of Mexico okay. around Mahawal. And what these cenotes are is they are. Uh, they're less than uh, the ones that we fished were less than um, a half a mile from the ocean, from the from the shore of the ocean. But they're inland and they're like lakes. Oh, okay. And there's porous rock and caves that fill these cenotes full of salt water from the ocean, sure. and it comes okay. under the underground and comes up through these porous rocks, caves, and springs uh, into into these lakes that are a couple, a few square miles, maybe 10 square miles. Okay. And so what'll happen is these fish that live in the ocean will find their way into these caves and somehow figure out a way to come up in these lakes and completely dark and they come up. And so all these lakes, these cenotes have these big ass dark holes in the middle of them where all the rock or where all the water comes in from the ocean yeah. and fills these things up. So they're somewhat tide dependent a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, we had uh, tarpon that were living there, and we were fishing uh, to them with uh, with like frog imitations, like frogs jumping across the top of the water. Okay, and they come up out of nowhere and they crush it, oh, and then they go crazy and jump in the air a bunch of times. And it's the ride of your life. And like in tarpon fishing, like getting a tarpon to eat and and hooking one is success it's considered success okay. like you don't have to get it to the boat okay. in order for it to be like a woo okay, moment gotcha. yeah and so i fed one in like my first 10 minutes of fishing and i i didn't set the hook right and so i was like okay and then the, the guide was like all right so you fed one the next step is to hook him and get him to jump and then he'll throw your throw your fly away and then and then we'll be on to the next step which is get one to the boat okay. after he jumps a few oh, times this is great yeah yeah and so my second one uh which was like 
five minutes after that, I only fished for 20 minutes, wow. I think. Okay. And I, and I hooked another one and then the guide was like yelling at me quarterback style on what to do the whole time. <laughs> and like, he's this British guy, like, okay, keep it tight, keep it tight and bow and bow. Oh, good. Oh, fine piece of fishing net. Fine piece of fishing. Is this recorded? Oh, oh a chance here, a chance here. <laughs> yes. Yes. And bow. Mm, oh, you look like you've been doing it your whole life. I mean, and so I'm dying, <laughs> uh, loving my life. I've just caught oh, and man. jumped a tarpon two or three times. Yeah. And then we finally got it to the boat. And as I mean, in in my entire uh, career fishing, it's like the, the coolest thing I've done oh, yet, man. even though it wasn't, you know, 150 pound migratory carpen, tarpon yeah. in uh, uh, around the uh, Florida panhandle. It was super cool. And that because of uh, the reason I got to fish was because the fishing was so lights out and we were getting so many amazing shots that it was everybody was just kind of like, hey, give the man a give the man a chance That's here. Great. Let him at least try it. Oh, and that man. hasn't happened on in the last four years, either time we went to Colombia or Belize. So this was kind of my first time to really pick up the rod and get to fish a little bit. So you're traveling all over, at least the hemisphere. Are you, I mean, have you it seems like this business is taking you all over the world, huh? Yeah, I've been to Europe a bunch, been to South America for the fly fishing stuff twice, been to Belize, Latin America is kind of probably where we're going to hang out and do a lot of the saltwater fly fishing content. Mm -hmm. And we're getting, I mean, we're sponsored by Yeti, Yeti That's by great. Costa, the sunglasses company. Wow. Uh, there's a clothing manufacturer called Poncho who yes. is making awesome stuff. They're making the best fishing shirts I've ever put on. Um, okay. and, and Orvis is involved at, uh, as, at a sponsorship level with us to get, giving us, you know, some, some gear and some money to go make content for them. That's so, great, man. Just, yeah. All the right, you know, those are the heavy hitters, you know? Yeah. They're the ones that we want to be in bed with. Yeah. Certainly. So it's good for them to know our names and it's good for us to have a relationship with them. And that's kind of been my, uh, that's kind of been my focus over the last few years is trying to get work that is that is kind of a uh it's hard to do so the marketplace where people are doing the work is small mm -hmm. but also stuff that's interesting smart man. interesting to me that's a smart uh those are two details that are i bet a lot you know most people don't think about putting those two things together it's interesting well it's really different than theatrical filmmaking or making tv shows sure. or whatever it's like action photography or yeah. action cinematography so it's yeah it's um it it's not necessarily where I thought I would be when I went to film school. I thought I was yeah. going to be directing movies by now, but uh, I am. They're just documentaries sure. instead. You know? So how much time do you spend behind the camera or doing other stuff? Is it like, um is well? It, what's that usually like? I I love the camera. It's my it's my favorite tool that yeah. I have. Um, Right, and these microphones are pretty close, but like the the, the camera is um, is my favorite tool. So any chance I get to to use it, um, I'm I'm gonna use it. Um, so I would say, um, I would say, if you were gonna break down the time that that I'm actually holding a camera in my hand or working with a crew who, uh, who who's who's helping me yeah. carry carry this out. Um, you know, it might only be ten or fifteen percent of the time yeah. uh, of my day or my or my year or sure. whatever. But that doesn't mean that I'm not doing the work that's important to that process in the other time. Um, because we have a, you know, you hear "fix it in post." You hear people say that. Before. I do hear that. What does that mean? 
Yeah, that means, uh, oh, it's not perfect. The shot that you got's not perfect, but it's okay. We'll fix it in post. Let's move on. So it's we can work with it. We can work with it. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a nightmare. It's nightmare words to hear. I hate to hear it. So, really? Yeah, it's awful because it means no, nah, you didn't. You know, you made a B plus. You know. Yeah. So so my my whole deal. Um, Which as students we would have loved that. I know. But I actually, know. When you actually you know are into something you enjoy, then you want to make an A plus every yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So now for me, it's it's fix it in pre, which is something that a, a production company called Beef and Pie used to post on all their production booklets, which okay. was fix it in pre. That means plan it out, fix it first, yeah. and then go do it, and let's 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 get it perfect in pre production. So that's a lot of what I do too. Is is you know not just logistics, but also. Uh, you know, coming up with, coming up with these, uh, with, with styles and and and, and uh, effective ways to tell stories or out of the box ways to tell stories, mm-hmm. and then when you pick up the camera, hopefully all the hard work hard work is done, and you can and you can uh, start really having the fun and carrying out the the plan. That's it, man. Yeah. It makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because there's then you can get creative and you can have you can get a little bit more rather than just having to get the bare bones of what you know you have to have to do it if you can get that first because you had a plan then you get to play i love it and then you get to get the magic that's it isn't it and that's the whole yeah. purpose like you just got to do all that stuff it's like that with the festival you know like a lot of times i'll sure. have you know i'm always behind and so this year we're so far ahead and now we're doing we're doing all these crazy things like one of the things we're going to try to do this year is we're going to try to make baseball cards of the bands of the bands and and probably probably the bands i don't know if they'll all let me do it but uh, i'm gonna do the staff so yeah, all the staff because that's I, awesome i get way too much credit for the, all the stuff that we do and so um i want to get them like i want to put them on blast like little credit card, or little baseball cards with and we're gonna have like packs you know we figured out a way i'm working with riot printing they've been great that's awesome and so uh we're gonna have little uh packs of cards that uh, just have all the different staff members. Are like, you going to make some of them a little uh, more collectible yeah, or like so. a little less uh, plentiful? I think so. Man. I think you should. Why not? You know, it's yeah. fun. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, involve, yeah, make it, make it a game, make it yeah. fun, make it a collect, get, get uh, collect them all. Tyler Larrabee to sign his card for I you. Know. You know, oh, dude, that's at the festival. I haven't even thought about autographs yet. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get awesome. Tyler to sign my card or oh, you man, to sign absolutely. If I get the rusty, if I know you, there's not going to be a rusty Odom card. There might not be. You are, a, you are totally a, a lift other people up kind of guy. I don't want any of the praise. Just praise my team, praise my guys. Well, uh, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. But, I mean, I just – I think it's – I might do <laughs> – okay, so here's one of the – like, so Daniel Fluid is our concessionaire, and he's, you know, obviously just a, a brilliant musician. Uh, with, he's a lead singer of Thrift Store Cowboys, and um, he works for uh, Sugar Lands and High Rock. And – uh so like he's the concessionaire, so we were gonna get him like dressed up in a catcher's mitt and then throw a beer at him really hard with like splashing <laughs> and then get Bill Foster somebody take the picture. And then just like that's gonna be his card, you know. So we're gonna have some it. fun with it and some stats on the back and everything. And then a cool thing I thought of was uh to help out our sponsors and stuff. We're gonna instead of like saying tops or something, it'll have like a logo for our sponsor on there. Awesome. Yeah. Are you gonna have packages of them? Are you gonna yeah, package dude, them? Dude, we're gonna put them in packs. Like packs like. of ten. Yeah, man. I really think we're gonna be able to pull it off. Are you so. gonna sell them at cons- or sell yeah, them or give them away? Five Hell yeah. Pack, you know. Hell yeah. I think it's fun, man. And I don't know if pe- if people don't, you know, I'm sure they'll. It, I think it's fun enough to sell for five bucks. I just want. I love having cheap merch so that everybody can walk away with something. You yeah. Know? That's that's big. So, and I think it'd be fun for all the silly social media stuff you got to do. So, can we take bathroom breaks on this podcast? Uh, it just depends. Um, 
I think we can probably do that. Yeah. Let's do Thanks. It. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> feels good, doesn't it? Oh, it feels better. Yeah, man. Yeah. Got to get a bathroom in here. Yeah. Yeah, we're finished it. We're going to finish the shop. We're going to make it a little nicer. You think so? Yeah, we're on it. Okay. We're on it. We're working on it. We've already done some stuff. You'll probably get that done around when I get my pool fixed. Yeah, when you get the tree tree off your house. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez Louise. Dude, uh, uh, when Curtis Glover was over here for a podcast, yeah. a big limb fell on my house in the middle of the podcast. During the podcast? Yeah. On your house? On my Did house. Did it mess up the backsplash at all? Or? <laughs> the backsplash is fine, dude, as you can see. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> Goodness. I was worried sick about it there for a second. <laughs> Golly, it's gorgeous. Should I describe it to people? Ah, well, yeah. it's okay. <laughs> the boys did a good job with it. Goodness Christ, who did yeah. that? I don't know. The guys who we bought the house for, oh, man, they killed goodness. it. The bathroom's awesome. They 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 did it all. We'd have to do anything but, you know, wreck it once we moved in. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're on that train right now. Just ruin everything. Well, so the tree fell, though, and it was, I mean, it was It was fine. It was, yeah. it was, it took a gutter off and... Uh, woke up the whole family, but so yeah. it didn't ruin your whole life like it did when the tree fell in my pool. Yeah, I don't see anybody anymore. My friends never call. <laughs> I used to have people all over all the time. That's how you know when your friends, who your friends really are, oh, is yeah. who still comes over when the tree's in the pool. Yeah, I don't have it. Will you be my friend? I'm <laughs> like, I don't have any left, and I don't see anybody anymore. I'm glad that uh, we met because of this podcast. That's very true. Yeah. So if you didn't do this podcast. We wouldn't know. I wouldn't know about that backsplash. I wouldn't know any of this stuff that we've talked about. You know? Yeah, and we wouldn't have forged such a good friendship. We, it's been great, hasn't it? It really has been, man. And I've I heard your name for so long, and every single person that I mention your name to, I love Rusty. Man. Everybody, you're universally loved. Yeah, you have done nobody wrong. It seems like. Well, I'm sure because that's not the case, but I, I appreciate I've you saying that. Yeah, man. I, I, same. Here's looking at you, kid. You know, I mean, it's. I feel like. Uh, I don't know, man. I was really glad that I came on here and that we hit it off so well because I wanted to get along with you because I, I'd heard the same about you. You know, everybody just loves you. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, man. Uh, you. It was right before the uh, monster mash. Oh yeah. That you came over and. Uh, yeah. It was it was thick of COVID. It was 2020, yeah. and uh, you you said, yeah, we can still do it, but I have to be safe. Yeah. And man, we I had a mask on when we started and a face shield. Yeah. When when we you I know remember. when we got going, I was like, I gotta have Rusty on so bad. I'll do whatever he wants to to make sure it's safe and he's comfortable and all that. I, I really that. appreciated that too. I mean, I just you know if it, it's like one of those things where if if I go down, man, then. Do we have to cancel the festival? You right. Know what I mean? Yeah. So you gotta be careful, man. Well, that's the thing about a team, uh, and you, which you've done a really good job with, and it's the pre-production thing I was talking about earlier, Do it doing pre. all the work yeah. a, a, ahead of time, and that's one of the big things that I think about when I'm doing pre-production on a shoot is like, it's possible that I'm gonna get sick or somebody's not gonna be able to make it, and we right. have to have the thing planned so well that it still goes off because it has to, it can't revolve around one person. You're so right. It it has to be it has to be such a monolithic team effort that uh, even if the boss man in sure. charge can't do it, it still has to happen. You know, I haven't thought about this until this very second, but I'm 100 percent sure that if I weren't there, they could just, everybody could pull it off. That means maybe even right. better than with me there, to be honest. <laughs> You're a liability. But like, yo, my goodness, are you kidding me? Like these people, man, I'm a dreamer, so like I I say all this. I mean, the baseball card thing is it's like just a great example of like. 
a ridiculous idea. Yeah. And I've thrown a million of those out, but that was one that actually other people were like, actually, that's kind of cool, you know, but I've, there's for every one good idea I have, I have a million bad ones. Well, I think it's, it's a, a testament to the fact that what we were talking about earlier with having everything so short up that you mm-hmm. can start to have fun with it, have the basics, have the baseline yes. taken care of. Do do what you ex- absolutely have to do. Have that as second nature. Have it automated mm-hmm. to where you can start doing things like coming up with crazy ideas like baseball cards and then have the bandwidth to pull them off because you already know that the festival's going to happen because you've already done the work to make sure that's That's it, happen. and I'm glad you bring that up because – this year we're so far ahead for Second Bell. It'll be, and we also moved it back. So it was always like, you know, the surface of the sun hot in August, you know. And so this year we moved it to September 30th and October 1st. And then we were able to get Big Boy uh, from Outcast. We were able to get him on, I think I got him on in like late February or March, man. How did you do that? I don't know. That's a great podcast answer, isn't it? Um, but I'll tell you, I worked on it for about five years. Really? To the point, yeah. So, And he had changed agencies a couple years ago. And so I was so excited and so, also so nervous that when I sent in the offer originally, I sent in an offer sheet from a different agency. And so I was like, oh, this is ru- – I'm ruined. But so, What do you mean so from like, a different agency? So, so like it was – I think he – so I'll just give you a couple examples. Like a, like a Paradigm or a William Morris, you know, yeah. or something like that, or Billions. Creative or, artists. Yeah, CAA, yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that. So he, he was with an agent at one point, Big Boy was. He had changed, but I had gotten in, in previous years' uh, correspondence, I had gotten a contract or an offer sheet. So you send out an offer sheet to people whenever you're like, you're telling them how much they'll pay, how much you'll pay them, hotels, rider, um, guarantee, all that rider stuff, right? Yeah. So um, uh, I had gotten a, a, a agency sheet from a previous year. He had changed agents, but I was talking to his new agent and his new agency. So they said, send me an offer. So I filled out the offer form on the old agency sheet, oh, sent it to the new agent. He was like, why is this on a, you know, on a whatever agency? Because uh, I'm old form. school. That's why. Because yeah. that's how long I've been I've been yeah. boys with big boys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I should have sent the, <laughs> the outcast agency from the 90s. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was so embarrassing. But um, it was, it, I mean, it just, I kept chopping wood, man, kept chopping wood. And so now he's with Wasserman, which is a wonderful agency. I love working with him. Worked with him several years in a row now. They had like, for instance, Neil Francis yeah. from uh, last year. And he's absolutely blowing up. Um, and uh, a few other musicians. But basically, we just just talked it out, man. Just hashed it, you know, tried to see what I was capable of. I was actually going to go. We were considering stepping like stepping back a little bit and like kind of tightening up some corners and with the festival yeah just kind of consolidating some stuff like lowering costs on a lot of things because last year was actually the first year that i'd ever lost money on a show any show i've ever done and so um it was tough it was right after covid people weren't necessarily 100 percent ready to start coming out yeah delta hit like a month before the festival i didn't sell a ticket for four weeks really yeah it was it was pretty a lot of uncertainty. It out was there. just so interesting, uh, in a terrible way. You know, it was just like, oh my gosh, do we have to cancel this thing? But glad we didn't. Um, but so this year we were like, okay, who knows what's going to happen in the future? Like, there's no certainty moving forward in the music business whatsoever. So let's step back. And then, sure enough, that big boy, it just kind of worked out. It made sense for both parties, and we. Uh, we did it. And I remember I got the email sitting beside Kyle 
um, from Barley's, the talent buyer. And uh, <laughs> I showed him the email because I was sitting right beside him when the email came through. It said confirmed. And then he, he was like, holy cow. And I said, wait, it gets better. And I pulled up. I got my phone. I pulled up my bank account and showed him how much money was in my bank account. I had $90 in my bank account. Really? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I got to come up with some money fast oh. but i did and so we've we've sold a ton of sponsorship we're so grateful for all our partners we've been really creative like the baseball card ideas and stuff like that and that's actually that, that's something i haven't even promised them it's just going to be a cherry on top yeah but like some stuff like that so that's how it's worked so now since i get so we get big boy on benny smith calls me he's like hey man i think super drag might be getting back together we got to get him, you know, what do you think? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, you're like, yeah, they're big, big boy fans as well. So if you don't get big boy, you don't get super drag. If Benny Smith wasn't so kind to super drag over the years, super drag isn't donating their entire pay to WTK. They're not making a penny off the show. That's amazing. I've never heard of a band doing that. Ever. That's amazing. And they've turned down a lot of shows since we announced, they've turned down a lot of shows so that this will be the first one. So yeah. I'm, I, I don't even know my vocabulary doesn't speak to how grateful I am. Like I can't even come up with anything close to explaining how grateful I am to super drag. That's for what awesome. They're doing. I can't wait to, uh, to set up the South of Scruffy, uh, inter interview airstream out at the festival and, uh, tell, tell one of the super drag guys that sucked out was the first song I ever learned on the guitar. Are you serious? Yeah, I was 12 years old, man. It was the one of the first oh, song I ever learned. Man. I played it. I played it last week. I picked up a guitar last week and I played that you song. You still play it. Of course. It was the first song I ever I learned it. and it was a great song. I could play it and I could sing it and it was an awesome song. Oh, I love that, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It gives me, it just makes, that's why you do it, man. And yeah. so I just, so then, you know, here we go, you know, it's just been a magic carpet ride ever since. And so, um, the fact that we were able to get the lineup announced so early, we've got the last like three weeks. I've just been all over it, man, just killing it. So now we're two months out and, um, man, it's, we get to have some fun. Like you were talking about now we get to be creative. Now we get to have, do all these things that we've always wanted to do, but haven't had time to do. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what, what we can do. Um, I, I just, it's we're gonna give it everything we got, man. Dude, I'm 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 so I'm I'm so excited for you. I mean, you're such a uh, I don't know I I don't know how you do it because it's such a risk that you that you're taking. And I talked to Ashley Caps a little bit about it and how yeah. he started with promoting and all that and what the job actually is and what it entails. And right. it takes balls, man. It and you've got them, but you also <laughs> have you much like Ashley, you've got uh, integrity and you've and you've got. A, a personality that makes people want to help you. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I do think that that's okay if I believe that about myself, but I also like Jess Hell, the way you treat people matters so much in any business, but especially in the music business, you can get a reputation very quickly one way or the other. I'm sure it's a small business. It, it's I'm sure word small. travels yeah. fast. So we've always really tried to take really good care of our artists. Even when we were broke and didn't have anything, Jess Hell, like she leaves no stone unturned um and and just the, everybody Jennifer Rankin Matt Rankin uh Rebecca and Steve Hines I mean they just there there's a group of people Jared I mean it's just it's unbelievable how many people it takes and how much trust you have to have in those people if you want to be successful mm. in stuff and that's always been the hardest part for me is letting go and letting somebody else uh, make a decision that ultimately is going to be on me, you know. 
Yeah, and and but I trust him. I do. That's a, a, a trait of yours that has always, uh, since I've known you, has and and I see it in other people too, and I admire it so much. And I know that the stakes are really high for what you're doing with with Second Bell yeah. and with the paper and all that. And you know, there's got to be a lot of stress involved, but you are still able to operate with a lot of weight on your shoulders. And that to me is like, that is such an intangible quality that I don't have that I'm so uh, impressed and and envious of with you and other people that I see that take these big risks and are still able to operate with a smile because they know they're doing people the right way. And they know that they know that their uh, efforts uh, uh, come from a good place and that you know, while it might be hard and there might be a lot of uh, there might be a lot of uncertainty mm-hmm. uh, around in, in your head while you're working on this stuff, like you're still able to operate effectively. And that to me is just such an incredible trait. And there couldn't be a better person uh, to, to do something like what you're doing than than you. It would wear some it would wear a lot of people out. Yeah. And it wears me out to a degree. But. I will say, you I'm never trying know to, it. Well, I appreciate that. I try not to. I remember, I think I heard Ashley say some at one point, one interview or something, something along the lines of, like, you just want to, like, the people who are there at the festival or at a concert, you want them to not even realize that anything's going on. Yeah. I think it was him that said that. I, I hope I'm not missing It's the same that, thing as, as film. You, you want to suspend disbelief. That's you it. don't want people to know. That they are that they are uh, uh, that they are a party to uh, to entertainment. Yeah. You want them to be so involved in what in what's happening in front of them that that they don't even realize that they're being entertained. That's so true. And it's like I just want to pre- prevent or I'm sorry, present an, an, a place where people can just completely disappear. You know what I mean? While still being 100% present. That's why I don't take my phone out at shows a lot. If you want to do that, that's fine. But like, I like being there, you know? Mm. I'm the same way. I went and saw Fish last weekend in in Raleigh. And uh, I was was going back through my phone and and looking at everything that happened over the last couple of weeks. I have a single picture from that day, you know, because I just never took my phone out of my pocket because I was so... Uh, I, I was I was in the experience. Yeah, present, right? Yeah. I think that's the number one thing I try to do these days, especially. Um, and I mean, like I said, everybody's different, and that's fine. You know, people can do it however they want. I just feel like you remember it more if you don't have a memory to look at tangibly. Yeah, you, I kinda... memory's a funny thing because you also, like, if, if I tell you a story that happened last week, mm-hmm. and I tell you a story about it, and in a year I reference that, in my mind, I in a lot of cases, I'm referencing the story that I told you instead of referencing yes. the actual experience. That's fascinating. I've never thought about that, but it's yeah. so true. Yeah, I forget where where I where I learned where I learned that or where I read that. Probably at a fish concert. Probably. They <laughs> <laughs> said, "Put your phone up, asshole." <laughs> no, but that's but that's where it could it, that's where it could be helpful. Is like yeah. taking a picture, taking a video of a moment. Yeah. Is what your memory ten years from now is actually going to be of you revisiting that on your phone or whatever. Right. I don't, I don't think it's all necessarily, you know, bad, but yeah, you're right. Being being uh, involved and engaged is kind of where the medium has thrived in the past. Yeah. And like what you said about 
letting go and just disappearing. Yeah. That's what drew me to music festivals to begin with yeah. is like, I, I think people who, uh, who may have a little bit of anxiety in, in front of, uh, in front of other people or in groups of people, when you can disappear and just fade in, no, and nobody's looking at me right now. Mm-mm. How great is this? Where I can be anonymous. I can do whatever I want. Right. You know, I can as long as it's as long as it's right. Sure. You know? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be by doing anything you want. It doesn't have to be nefarious in tone in any no. way. It could just be you can sit there and close your eyes and listen to a song. You can sit Indian style. You can dance. Uh, crisscross applesauce. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. <sighs> He made it so. He made it so long. We were doing so well. We were doing so great. Oh no! But you can put the you can put the flashy glasses on. You, you can, can put the flashy glasses. You on. can you dress. Can dance. You can dress up however you want. <laughs> you can. Wear, I went. To, I went to a show one time and wore a skirt and no shirt the entire time. I bet and nobody nobody cared. Nobody cared. It I was great. They didn't notice. Well, because there's always somebody notice. crazier at a festival. So you, you know. That's it. You know? That's what I love about it. Is you're not the center of attention. No. There's always somebody else. It's you know, looking, looking somewhere else. Yeah. You're just part of the experience. And it's fun. Like, you know, it's, I feel like everybody, every human being should experience it, you know, and there's so many different kinds and types now, like you can find one that, that is your style of music and it doesn't even have to be music stuff. Sometimes like people love these burns and. Oh yeah. The Burning Man. Yeah. Like little Burning Man Sanctioned burns. events and stuff. Yeah. yeah. I had one of those up at uh, Katusa. Um, Dude, that's gotta be crazy. Yeah. It's been fun going up there too, man. We were like, you know, digging out the road and. Learn how to use an excavator. And so you like built this whole infrastructure for a, a burn or for a music festival? Well, it's just for that whole entire event center that I was mentioning earlier um, in Jamestown with the Emirates. And um, and they're like, you know, we went. I went to first grade with Philip, who's the youngest brother. And so we've known each other for years, just, you know, all the way since then. Yeah. And so um, so it's been, it's been really good to be like on Disneyland when it was a marsh. You know, before, because it's, and that was a Tyler Larrabee when he went up there the first time. He's like, this is like being on Disney before it was open. (laughs) But um, it's just cool to be, I want to be able to, like, with the paper, I can do everything that to run that paper except for run a printing press, and I can kind of do that. So I want to do the same thing with festivals. I don't want to have to, if somebody, you know, sometimes people let you down, but sometimes you just don't think of things. So if, I want to be able to do it all. Yeah, you want to be able to fill in, and I want to fix it. Yeah, if there's a problem, I want to fix it. I think that's I think that's really smart to be able to. I think that's what mastery is: mm-hmm. is understand. You don't have to be able to do everybody's job. You just have to be able to communicate with them in a way that they that they can do it. And in Very order true. to do that, you have to understand what Very that true. job is. Very true. My dad told me that when I was when I was a lot younger because he's he's managed people his entire life yeah. and. Um, and he he had somebody walk up to him and say, "Hey, I don't, I don't ever see you working around here. What is it you do around here?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, my job is to make sure that everybody else is doing their job Absolutely. effectively and correctly. Absolutely, and that's, I think that is a very important, very important role. And it takes, it it takes years." Yes. In a lot of cases, yes. uh, it takes experience in understanding how processes work, uh, in in order, uh, in in order to not necessarily be able to do them yourself, but to be able to know when they're being done effectively, and to be able to facilitate them if they're not being done effectively. And that might mean stepping in and and digging a trench, one hundred, because you know you have to get cars across this in order to park. Yeah. Well, and it's so fun to learn, man. You know, I yeah. don't want to quit learning. I'm just, you know, I think I'm thirty. Mm. 39, I think. Yeah. And so 
I don't, man, I've got so much more to do. You know, I just want to end up somewhere. That's like the whole, the whole, my whole thing, like the, my whole existence is just, I just want to end up somewhere. I have no idea where that is, but I just want to end up somewhere that I'm proud of, yeah. of not only what I've done, but like hopefully I've made the path easier for other people. And so that's kind of what, that's like the next phase. Like I'm You should sure. already be proud of what you've done because you've done more in uh, the mm. last 10, 15 years than a lot of people will ever do in their lives. And you affect a lot of people's lives every time you put out a paper, every time you interview somebody, every time you put on a music festival, you are, uh, you're a, a facilitator of happiness <laughs> and good vibes. That's, that's as good of a compliment as I could get. I really appreciate that. Um, I don't know. It's hard to hear. But Have I mean, you, uh, do you know about River Breeze? Yeah, yeah. What's that? That's okay. So it's Aaron Snuckles and Parker. Look, I think we talked about this. Parker Frost? Yeah, I think he's, I don't know. I think he's, part of it he told me he was part of it he's definitely part of it and so um they're they're just and tyler's actually helping him out over there he's good he's been working on it's it off of Asheville highway it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's old, right on the shores of the holston river it sure is yeah and is it a an old uh uh movie drive-in or something it, it sure is yeah my mom saw movies there when she was young really yeah and so it's like i grew up you know i went to carter so i grew up like driving by that every day you know so it's like it's kind of the the hometown venue finally, you know, so I'm excited about it. It'll, they'll have some good stuff. I think they're announcing several shows here coming up soon. Yeah. That's what I talk. We can talk about it off here. So we yeah. don't, uh, so, yeah. we, so we don't say any NDA stuff, but yeah. like I've heard of some, some really good, good acts that they're going to have. Yeah. A little teaser for everybody, but it's really, really going to be good. Yeah. And it's going to be how many thousand people venue? I think it'll hold. I mean, goodness, they can help. They can do events or, um, Concerts, concerts that are all the way from a few hundred people to several thousand. Yeah. So, yeah. We need that size outdoor venue. You're not I mean, kidding. I've heard of like, um, I mean, I've heard, you know, back in the day, I think Chill Howie Park used to have mm -hmm. concerts and things yeah. like that, but we don't have like a, a, a single digit thousand outdoor mm -hmm. venue that's smaller than, you know, a big shed amphitheater type deal. Yeah. Um, It'll be great. I can't wait. I, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to it. And there's a, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of movement in the production world, music production world behind the scenes. And um, there's a lot of uh, in the film and t television production world. There's a lot going on there, too. You know? Yeah. What's the deal? Do you care if I ask you? Do you care if I take over one more second? Yeah, yeah, time? yeah. Uh, so who is Ben Fields, really? No, I'm just kidding. What's the deal <laughs> with uh, with this Discovery? Uh, what is it? The, Warner the Brothers. Warner Brothers merger. Like, yeah. does it mean anything for Knoxville? Is it good? Is it bad? Who knows? We don't know yet. Yeah, I think it's kind of been, there's always been a little bit of trepidation from folks who rely on that campus over there off of okay. the interstate. Okay. Um, both if you work in the building or if you're a production company like ours that services that conglomerate, that television conglomerate, there's always been just this like elephant in the room, like what if it goes away? What if it changes? Right. And so everybody's always kind of been a little bit scared of, of that and what it means. And um, the first big thing happened when Scripps was bought by Discovery. Okay. So Scripps was, um, you know, HGTV was kind of their flagship network, yeah. DIY network, food network, cooking channel, travel 
Channel, Animal Planet, Great American Country, were all their brands. That was absorbed by Discovery, who has hundreds of cable television networks across the world. Mm -hmm. Huge conglomerate. David Zaslov, their CEO, was the highest paid CEO in 2019, $140 something million during the year that merger. Like, it's a big ass company. They're the fifth largest uh, television conglomerate in the world. Disney is, you know, AT&T is part of that. Like they're, 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 they compete with those kinds of guys. Right. So I think the big, the big thing when Discovery came in and that happened, that was scary for a lot of people because we didn't know what was going to happen. But then it started to kind of turn up and, and be, um, things started to look up when they said, you know, we're not going to move everybody out of Knoxville. We're not going to take this whole uh, HGTV DIY campus out of here and move it to Silver Spring, Maryland. Quite the opposite, actually. We're going to give people in Silver Spring the opportunity to move to Knoxville. We're going to move our North American operations to Knoxville. And then, um, so that was kind of a a, a deep breath for us and the filmmaking community around here and the people who service those brands. Yeah. That kind of was like, okay, we dodged a little bit of a bullet there. With Discovery, they decided not to just move everybody out of here and go. In fact, they brought people here, so that they was good. They did bring people here. It was right. good, yeah. yeah. And it was, it was, I think it was net good. Cool. Um, so I think the big, the big thing that I'm hearing with the recent acquisition, which, which is Warner Brothers. Yeah, so can you explain to people what that exactly was? I mean, I can do it the best that I know. Yeah, because I, I can't figure it out. So Warner Brothers is a huge television conglomerate. It's, I mean, goodness, yes. They own HBO. Yeah. Discovery is a huge television conglomerate. They're kind of the same size-ish. Okay. They come together and merge, and discover they take Discovery's CEO, mm-hmm. David Zaslov, to run that ship, which I think is good okay. because it means they're not bringing in all new blood from right. the Warner Brothers side. They're, they're, they're using what we have already had here with Discovery's footprint, and they're, they're almost bringing that into the fold, and they're letting Discovery's CEO run the whole show. Um, so ultimately what I think is going to happen is – Streaming is the biggest, I think, get for all this. Streaming and digital presence, all okay. the different digital channels that sure. all of these different networks have. Sure. Uh, and so ultimately, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Discovery Plus, which has actually been a moderately successful over-the-top streaming platform sure. uh, in a world where you know they were not early to the game. You know, Disney Plus, Netflix, all those are already out there doing their thing. Right. Uh, Discovery Plus has has put out programming that has kind of kept them elevated and has been big. But they're not as big as HBO. But so ultimately, I think what's going to happen is uh, HBO Max or HBO and Discovery Plus are going to merge into one streaming platform. So you pull all those properties that Discovery has, wow, all yeah. of the all of the inventory of television shows, yeah. all the streaming inventory, everything that they have, everything that HBO has. HBO is a huge streaming content creation company. They're enormous. Sure. And now that's all going to merge into one thing. Okay. Um, the, I think, but, uh, uh, I also think one of the dangers is, or one of the, the, the scary parts about it is that they are selling the real estate in Knoxville, the big HGTV building, which, um, 
a lot of people will say that that was a bit of a vanity build for HGTV and that it was way too big to begin with. They just kind of wanted to flex a little bit when they built that huge ass campus yeah, over huge. there. Yeah. And so when, um, when, when HB, well, when, when Warner brothers and discovery, you know, merged together, there was a, uh, a promise that was made to shareholders, uh, of the new, of the new company to, uh, save $3 billion over a couple of years in savings and operations. So these companies have been operating at X number of billions of dollars. Let's, let's call it $10 billion a piece, 5 million for discovery or sorry, five, let's just say 5 billion discovery and 5 billion, uh, uh, Warner brothers just for argument's sake. Right? Yeah. For just for argument's sake. And then they come together. They've made a promise to wall street to now operate that whole conglomerate for $7 billion I see. over a couple of years. So they have to find savings. So there's a lot of duplicity mm-hmm. that is, that is being, uh, that is being taken away. So uh, if if your department uh, at Discovery has a an equal counterpart at Warner Brothers, when the companies came together and you guys both do the same thing, it's very possible that they're going to shut off one of those departments and just ha- and then just give it to that one department. So there's kind of big okay. cleaving going on yeah. in order to appease Wall Street and to make make the numbers work and selling that real estate is going to be a big part of it but they have said in the memo that that their uh COO put out that the Discovery Warner Brothers COO put out to all the employees he, which is public it's on the variety yes. it's yeah. you can read it in the yeah. trades yeah uh, it, it's, uh, it, it says that they are going to maintain a workforce in Knoxville and they're going to find a place for them to work. They're going to have brick and mortar here and keep their people here because if they, if they didn't, I think it would be devastating. I think so too. That's for, why I asked. Yeah. yeah. I think it would be devastating for at least the production market here. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, uh, maybe, you know, maybe for the local economy as well. I mean, I know we're not a huge city, and if you take a couple thousand people out of the, out of here, you know, maybe we won't feel it. But I do think that it is. It's not nothing. I do think that it is kind of a big deal uh, that yeah. they stay here. It's important that they stay here. And from what I understand, they are going to uh, maintain a presence and a workforce here, which. You know, it's it's big for companies like ours and sure. for anybody else around here who sure. kind of relies a little bit, uh, who even relies just a little bit on them for 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 revenue. One hundred percent. Yeah, I just wanted to ask somebody that you know was in the know about it because I just didn't. It's, it's from the outside looking in, it's kind of hard to know what's going on. If it's a good thing, if it's a bad thing, I don't know. I mean, I I I think it's probably net good okay. ultimately. I mean, but I don't know. I'm not in we'll the. See. I'm not. I'm not. I don't work there. But yeah. I I just get. I just feel what they do. Sure. I I feel it at with our company and what kind of revenue and numbers we're doing. And and I'm and I'm. I hope that. I hope that things you know maintain and that they they do uh, continue to keep a presence here because there's a lot of very talented people, who. Um, another thing about it is what if. Those thousand people don't have jobs anymore. Right. right. What are they going to do? Are they going to move? Are they going to uproot their families and move somewhere? Sure. Or are they going to decide, no, I want to stay here, keep my kid in high school, and then now I need to integrate into the marketplace? Sure. Yeah. They're going to create a production company. Yeah. Or they're going to create, you know, something that then competes with us, True. with our company. And so a best case scenario for us is for them to maintain a presence here, 
uh, keep those people working and keep us needing to help serve those people. That's a best case scenario. Okay. So um, why is it that you haven't gotten me a job yet? Is that, what are we, are we waiting on something? You... No, man, I told you, I think you would be the best <laughs> assistant director that has ever been, uh, that has ever been had. I, I, I just hadn't had an opportunity to do it. I hadn't been. So the way to get you into it would be for me to be a first assistant best director. Best boy. Oh man. See, you need some training for that. Oh, See, you man. gotta, you gotta know how to set up stands. You gotta know how You're to keep right. people safe. You're right. I need to, I need to, uh, I need to get you that assistant director job. Okay. I've been talking to you about for a long time yeah, dude man. i'd take you anywhere <laughs> i if i if i had you in my corner i would know a hundred percent that everything is taken care oh, man, of i would i mean once i figured it out maybe you know it wouldn't take you long yeah it's a lot like production it seems fun man it's just to me it seems fun i feel like we're both very lucky that we are able to put food in our bellies this way absolutely man mm-hmm, and know? it's and it's uh if you've got a if you've got a good attitude about it it's even better yeah you just got to make your mind up going into it that it's going to be you know that's the thing with the festivals and stuff, it's just you take the. We only have one rule: it's take the high road every time, always, every time. And then, um, if if something's like uh, you know not perfect, we we'll say, "Well, we'll get it fixed." What are we gonna do? Not get it fixed? You know, like of course we're gonna <laughs> yeah, get it fixed. So we're gonna get it fixed. So that's kind of the f- phrase that we always say: "What are we gonna do? Not do it? Yeah, come on, we're gonna do it. Let's figure it out." <laughs> so you know, I feel like that would probably. It work, translates work really that. well. Yeah. The, the option, the, the option of not doing it is not an option. Yeah, so yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, talking about learning everything and wanting to yeah, wanting man. to know more stuff, and it's like I myself, uh, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm on a conquest to know as much as possible and to be able to do as much as possible and to be able to solve as many problems as possible. With the skill set that I have, see, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. There's, uh, there's absolutely nothing Dude, wrong with it. I want to get my pilot's license. I want to know how to fly an airplane. Absolutely. I want to know how to weld. Yeah. Yeah. I want to get my captain's license where I can drive a commercial ship. Oh if I man, want I to. want that. Take people out on a boat. I want that for you. For money. I want that for you. You know? Why? Why <laughs> I not? Really do. I, I want just, that for you. I just want to be able to solve any problem and do anything. <laughs> like, well, I guess I can. Oh, we're up, up in the air. Yeah, I got it. Uh, on the sea. I was. The sea. I was I got it. I was uh, <laughs> reading a, an article one day that was like, or watched a video. It was like some guy was like flying back from the Bahamas mm-hmm. in his private plane with a friend of his yeah. in the passenger seat. And the pilot went unresponsive yeah. while the plane was in the air. And so his buddy in the passenger seat uh, gets on the radio and is like, mayday. Right. You know? Yeah. And air traffic control talks him oh, I love it. into how to land the plane. Hey, look for the coast. When you get to the coast of Florida, turn right. Okay. In about 10 miles, you see that mountain up there? That's 10 miles. Okay. Uh, 10 miles more beyond that, there's going to be an airstrip. I want you to start decreasing in altitude. No way. And this Man. dude who's never flown a plane in his life landed an airplane uh, and saved him and his friend's life. Man. You know, just because, and, and that was without even knowing how sure, to do it. Sure. You know? Goodness gracious. Yeah. I want to be able to do the the Steve Martin and, uh, or not Steve Martin, Leslie, uh, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. Yeah. I, yeah. I, after everybody eats the bad fish, I want to be able to jump up there with the inflatable pilot and put that bad boy on the ground, son. <laughs> oh, uh, what else, Ben? What did we miss? So I know that. Uh, we now know that you want to do uh, you want to do all these things. What else, man? What what else? What what is is there something that's like 
uh, like scratching at you ever or like that something that you're I mean, I guess you just kind of covered it, but what yeah, did, dude, do we miss anything? I want to I want to be a fishing guide when I grow up. Yeah. Yeah. And not just because I want to fish all the time. I want I, I really like hosting people yeah. and showing people a good time. And uh, I can tell you're great at like it. Like when we have people over to the house, entertaining people at the house, I'm yeah. on cloud nine, man. Yeah. I want to make, are you comfortable? You, you okay? Would you like, do you need this? How do you like that cooked? Medium rare? Yeah. This one's medium rare. This one's going to be good for you. <laughs> you know, like I, I just like showing people a good time. Sure. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, uh, one of these days I can get my chops up well enough to uh, That's great. to start start taking some people on the on the river. I love it, man. Where would you, what kind of fishing would you want to do? Or, or, or guide? What kind I, of? I don't know, man. I uh, The trout fishing around here has been tough lately. Mm-hmm. It's, we're not, we don't really live in an awesome place for trout fishing, to be honest. Um it's all stock stuff, and the and the yeah. and the fisheries are not necessarily super well uh, respected by the community, uh, or it, it, to the point where TWRA and TVA can't really maintain them that well mm. without going to a lot of effort. And it just it, what what for recreation? Like, are we going to spend several million dollars so you know a couple guys can go fish on Memorial Day and have a good time? Right. Like, so. Um, I think uh, what we do have around here are carp, mm-hmm. and carp are really fun to catch on a fly rod. It's, oh, I bet it's like what we uh, what we just did down in Mexico when we weren't fishing for tarpon, we were fishing for bonefish, which are little little silverfish with blue blue stuff on them, and okay. they fight like crazy. Once once they eat, they just run. They're and they got shoulders, man. They're just off, and they and that's the exact same thing carp do. Yeah, but they're ugly, so people don't want to fish for them. Right. But I'm like, dude, you're spending several thousand dollars to go to the Bahamas to fish for bonefish when I can give you the same fight oh, right awesome. here on the French Broad River <laughs> if you just get in my boat with me for a second. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, yeah. You should do that, man. I, I hope all your wildest dreams come true. Man, you're helping my wildest dreams come well, true. You know that? Well, by hosting the podcast. Well, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> Making us an award-winning podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, I don't even vote, man. It's the people. But I probably would have voted for you. I definitely will now. <laughs> now that now that you uh, yeah. now that you're, you're, uh, you have an interest yeah, in I'll the a, podcast. I'll do a write-in. <laughs> I get like a cut or something. Hey, I was going to ask you, who is your uh, who has been your favorite podcast other than the two that you did with me? I'm just kidding. Don't it, answer that. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I can't answer don't that because it. the two that I did with you are, are by far my. Yeah, what my a great answer! Yeah, what a great. Well, this is my favorite one. That, I, it might be. Ever, it might be mine that too. I've ever done, so. Yeah, I hope my narcissism came out. Oh man, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. And I will say, um, thanks for the opportunity, man. It's been great. I just thought it'd be fun for us to, you know, switch the roles and. And just switch it up a little bit, man. It's you know? awesome, man. And I'm I'm so excited for Second Bell. And it's such an asset to the community. Everything you do is uh, an asset to our community. And it's so selfless. And it is uh, very important. So uh, I know that I have gotten very many unsolicited calls from you. And I don't know why they always come at the right time. But you'll just call me one day out yeah. of nowhere. And you'll say, hey, man, what you're doing is kicking ass. You're killing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, man. And I, it it hits me at the right time. And I hope I can give you that call one day when you're when you're wondering. Sure. When you're wondering if you're if you're doing the right thing. Sure. Because sure. you've you've pumped me up. You've uh you're 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 one of the biggest cheerleaders that I've got. And um I I, I hope I can be that for you because 
what you're doing is great and it's it's it has to happen because if you weren't doing it it wouldn't happen Man, I don't, maybe not, man, I guess, but yeah, I love it, man. I love a lot of my friends give me a hard time because I'm only people like I'm one of the only people that actually calls anybody anymore, evidently, <laughs> but I don't like texting really that much. So I'll just call people. Like if I see, you know, I'll like, it'll be like a Friday and it'll, just, it'll pop up, you know, new episode. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna call him tell him he's doing a good job because I believe that you're doing a good job. Well, and I feel you. like it's, it's a waste if you don't tell people the things that you admire about them. It's just, I don't know why people don't do it. Um, I wish I did it more, but, um, we just we gotta we gotta you know keep it moving forward for for each other you know thank and you i just think it's great i just think everything that everybody's doing it's great it's great it's pretty simple yeah well keep keep killing it out there man yeah you too and buddy. thanks for uh anytime you want to uh do this again come by i don't i don't have any more words left but uh for, to to for the next one i know we're gonna this, this might have to be a two-parter it's a long one man. <laughs> it's a long Dude, one man thank you a lot for having me uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> you got me on that you got me on guard love y'all alright thank you Rusty thanks for doing it thanks Blank Newspaper for being a killer asset to the community and for being just a rocking paper that does the work that's so important to this community We'll see you guys at Second Bell, all right? September 30th, October 1st. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Pitch wire. Play me out.